This episode is brought to you by Houston Lucky of Keller Williams Realty. If you're looking for that dream home or that dream piece of property here in the beautiful state of Alabama, email him at HoustonLucky at KW.com for the rest of his contact info. And also, what's family if they don't believe in you? So thanks to Cantley Pittman, my brother, for sponsoring us. And last but not least, thank you to the Frosty Mug, a local staple, a local legend. Some of the best burgers, fries, and onion rings, and milkshakes around. Go check them out. Enjoy a view of the Warrior River. Enjoy their food. And most of all, keep supporting local businesses. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you for believing in us. Let's go ahead and jump into the episode. We hope you all enjoy. Welcome back to Pass the Jar. I'm Drake Pittman, and we are without Shane for this episode. Like I said on the last episode, pardon my Southern, that's life. Sometimes life gets in the way, but our guest at this time is somebody I go way, way back with uh, to the Summerton Christian days. Yeah. I'm trying to do math in my head, and it's been that long that I forgot how long ago like we actually met. But he's got quite a story to tell. He's done some cool things that not many people in Walker County have done. But, folks, this is Trent Mummy. Trent, how's it going, man? Oh, man, it's going great. And uh, and you're not kidding about going back uh, way back in time. Uh, I still got a picture of us when I think we went to Skate Galaxy from, for, like, one of my birthday parties. And oh, yeah. we all wore NFL jerseys. Um, man, I can't remember... I uh, wish I would have found that picture because uh, <laughs> I may have had a Brett Favre jersey on. That's how long ago it was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, good times. Uh, you know, we kind of lost touch. Uh, I think you went to Summerton in sixth grade. And yep. so we kind of went our separate ways. But, yeah, man, we were boys back in back in elementary school and uh, spent some good quality time together. And it's good to be back and it's good to see you and catch up a little bit it's crazy because our generation didn't have like facebook in my space so yeah. when we left like we, yeah. we weren't saying hey man you know i'll still message you on facebook or whatever it was like cool uh it's been fun see yeah. you guys yeah i mean at that time cell phones weren't even a thing no you know it was uh <laughs> when i wanted to talk to my best friend i would call him on a regular phone yep. and i still remember his phone number because you know just from dialing it so many times um yeah, and I, you know, it's crazy you mentioned that going back. Um, I didn't start texting till like freshman year of college. Props uh, to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, you know, it, it had my flip phone, could hardly take pictures, and uh, it's just a completely different world we live in. And, um, you know, I've kind of feel like I've kind of been a, a, a gypsy a little bit. Uh, I've traveled a lot. Um, when I was uh, when I was eleventh grade, I transferred to Pinson Valley, so and I left a lot of my friends back at Summerton Christian, and we kind of lost touch as well, just because the social networking is isn't like it is now. And we may have had like MySpace, but <clears throat> we did. And, and we had AIM. We had AOL and some Messenger. Yeah. And I wasn't even. People talk about how hard off they were into that, and that wasn't even my thing. Like yeah. I, I was never. I was never a good typer because I was not on aim. 
Yeah. And um, for some reason, I I didn't get into that. And um, all the all the kids that were in AMU, they'd go to computer class and just smoke me and typing. And <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. I do is just get frustrated. And uh, so yeah, that's um, that's where I'm at with with my typing skills. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I we, blame it on AIM. We grew up at a, a completely different time, like. Uh, you know, we had Parks and Rec basketball on Saturdays, mm-hmm. and that took up our whole Saturday because we stayed there and hung out with each other the whole time. Oh, man. And like you said, we used to go to each other's birthday parties and yep. stuff. So it's yep. like you get used to seeing these people in these young ages where you're still becoming this person, and then you get older, mm-hmm. and you think back to those times, and you're like, one day, you're, if you've lost touch, like we have, some, you're like, you know what i wonder what they're up to yeah, these days yeah it just hits you out of nowhere too mm-hmm. it's like i think one of the first times i saw you after i left something christian <clears throat> was when i was like 16 or 17 working at horse creek yeah and you came out there to play golf yeah i was like holy <laughs> shit i was like you're still alive so that's good yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean it's it's good to catch up with people um you know there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of people that i know that you know i can run into in the street and and just strike up a conversation just because we've uh you know we're acquaintances and stuff like that and i've met a lot of people playing baseball and uh just i, I know a lot of people but you know I'm, I'm my close friends uh there's not too many of them yeah it, that's what we were talking about before we started recording how your circle just kind of shrinks as you go it sure does i mean you know, I, I'm I'm in a fantasy football league. Uh, you know, I got some buddies that I play PlayStation with. I got my disc golf buddies. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I mean, I live an interesting life, I guess. <laughs> like Dylan's uh, whole like wedding party, pretty much. Uh, we we have a fantasy league together, and that's mm-hmm. what keeps us in touch. Which we also have like one huge group yeah. text. There's like ten of us in. Yeah. I mean, I got a really good buddy of mine who. It's like we definitely, even my brother-in-law, like we talk more during football season just because fantasy football. And it's yeah. like we kind of go our separate ways for a little bit and then, oh, football season's back. And, uh, and then we get into that. But, um, yeah, fantasy football, I don't even I don't even do full season drafts anymore. Really? Yeah. I've just been so burned on it so many times. Like <laughs> Derrick Henry, like yeah. you had him this year. You're thinking you're going to win it all, and then, boom, hit with a foot injury, and it's yeah. like, oh, no. <laughs> See, like, uh, I, I drafted first in ours, and I got Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And Shane sat here and told me, he's like, draft Derrick Henry. Yeah. And I was like, I'm a Christian McCaffrey. So, you get three, two and a half weeks of him, mm-hmm. and then he gets hurt. And I was sitting uh, I was sitting over here at Express getting my tires changed, <laughs> and, like, my phone vibrated, so I looked, and it was, the Panthers had placed Christian McCaffrey on injured reserve. Oh, wow. And about the time, but before I could even open that, uh, like unlock my phone, my buddy Colby had sent a text like, somebody put Drake on suicide watch because <laughs> they just put Christian McCaffrey on the IR. And I was like, because at that point I was like, yeah, I didn't have any other good running backs. Yeah. So made some trades and now we're solid. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've, shoot, I've been doing fantasy probably since twenty. 20- 13 yeah. i remember one of my first uh fantasy drafts i was actually coming i was driving back from florida <laughs> to maryland because i was on a a rehab stint i had hurt hurt something um not really sure what it was and had to drive up 
and during the middle of my drive, like our draft was scheduled, so I stopped at a random hotel and sat in their <laughs> lobby and drafted my team, and that was like my first year playing, and the the first year I won it, yeah. um, I had like the whole Dallas Cowboys team at that. <laughs> I had uh, Des Bryant, Tony Romo, and um, goodness, who was the good running back for the Cowboys at that time? Um, not sure, but he was. It, they carried me through, and uh, my first year playing, I won it, and I've been hooked ever since. Yeah. And uh, at this point, I don't do season long. Um, have a season long daily fantasy team that's on uh, FanDuel. Yeah, and I've enjoyed doing that. It's, <laughs> it's been it's a twenty twenty team league, and it's uh, it's very challenging to fill up. Yeah, um, I'm the commissioner of it, and I had to I had to text like all week trying to remind guys, hey fill your lineups, fill your lineups. And then, cause if it don't, if you don't get 17, at least 17 teams in it, it's not going to run. Yeah. So not <clears throat> run for money. Um, oh yeah. So it's $10 a week to play. And I mean, it's fine. It's um, bad. yeah, but I try not to watch sports too much. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, that's, you would think me playing baseball, but, um, I, I love NFL. NFL's like my favorite thing to watch. Yeah. Um, but I just get too mad. <laughs> yeah. who's your team cowboys i don't have a team okay um i need to be like uh um that one guy who had the meme about the uh he's wearing the black hat with the nfl logo oh, on yeah. it just a an nfl fan yeah <laughs> um yeah i've been to a ravens game when i was up in baltimore um one of the guys i played with was joe flacco's little brother <laughs> mike flacco and this guy was a this guy was a giant this guy was huge yeah. he swung like a one of the biggest bats I've ever seen. And he was like, he was a first baseman and he was like six, five, like two something. He was a big dude. Yeah. And he played first base and he would get up to the plate and he would lay down a bunt and everybody's just like trying to beat out a drag <laughs> bunt. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you're so like swing hard, try to hit the ball out of the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, um, yeah, that was uh, the only NFL game I've ever been to. I haven't been to a Falcons game or um, or one in Nashville. Just... I've, like, I'm a huge soccer guy. Yeah. And now that Nashville and Atlanta both have, like, MLS teams, I still haven't been. Yeah. But I've drove to Chicago to watch my favorite English team play. Oh, for real? Yeah. Who was that? Manchester United. Okay, cool. Big yeah. Premier League guy. Yeah. I'm, uh, I like soccer. I'm not hard off into it yeah um, oh. I've, I've played i've played fifa i like fifa and that's kind of what intrigued me in soccer um fifa ultimate team has cost me quite a bit of money on controllers <laughs> <laughs> like i yeah so i started playing like fifa 14 because i got into it around 2012 2013 mm -hmm. <sighs> dude i broke so many controllers because you get so mad yeah like give up a crappy goal or your like goalkeeper doesn't move when the striker's right in front of him. But yeah, I love soccer and see that's the thing with um most video games is I don't get too mad at them because I'm not very good at them. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll play them and it's like, well, I just I just don't put in enough time to be mad at it. Yeah. Um but definitely I, I get my fair share in um I got some buddies who play some Call of Duty, and so you uh, we'll talk. We'll go ahead and talk about that because you just said you left Southern Christian in eleventh grade, which is a notorious baseball program. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, always good. 
And you went, where'd you transfer to? Transferred to Pinson Valley. So, so what led that on? Well, um, you know, I played all sports growing up. I was, uh, played basketball, played football. And, uh, by the time I got to middle school, I just realized that I wasn't very good at those sports. Um, don't lie. <laughs> I mean, I was I was an athlete. Clay Thompson was jealous of your threes when we were kids. Hey, I was I was just good on defense. <laughs> I was uh, defensive specialty in basketball. Yeah, you weren't you weren't going to get around me. Um, but uh, the uh, baseball was just my thing. Uh, I loved it. I liked to practice it, and it just was always fun for me to be at practice on a field or playing. Yeah, and. Uh, so I decided to go, you know, that from a young age, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And uh, playing at Summit Christian, we won, we won state as a freshman in 2004. And a lot of the guys um, after my sophomore year uh, left that were, I was pretty close to and, and good baseball players, but that really didn't have much to do with it. I wasn't really chasing a state championship. Um when I left, it was more of I needed a place to train. Um, my summer league program that I started playing with as a freshman was in Pinson. And once 15 years old, 16, I started driving out there. I was riding out there when I was 15, but driving out there when I was 16 to train. Yeah. And I'd go hit, work out, do all the baseball stuff, all the stuff the kids, a lot of kids do it nowadays. But I feel like it's not as popular back when I was doing it, but um, yeah, I was just dedicated and wanted to be better. And uh, so one day I was driving home. It's probably 16 years old. I was a sophomore in high school, and uh, it was just raining real hard. And I was coming down 78 Highway, coming down a hill, and hit a patch of water, and did a like a 540 on the highway. And um, luckily, stayed in the middle of the road. Didn't <clears throat> just spun. Went off to the median a little bit, sat there. I was like, what just happened? I'm just <laughs> a little scared. Yeah. Called my mom. I was like, hey, um, you know, this just happened. Kind of calmed down a little bit and got home. And uh, I think that's kind of what led us to move out to Pinson is because there was nowhere to train every day out here. And I had to drive out there to train. And, um, I mean, we... We made the decision to move out there, and I was uh, it was pretty much because of that. And yeah. um, so when I moved out there, I was I stayed dedicated, and um, I kept kept working hard. And um, we my senior year, we had I think probably like eleven guys. I think it was like on that team my senior year, we had eleven guys go play college baseball. Yeah. Um, not seniors. I'm talking like sen- seniors, juniors, all through that class. So we had a, we had a very good team. We should have, we should have won state, um, but we did. We got beat in the semifinals by Hillcrest that year. We had a pretty good team, and um, that one hurt. That one hurt. Yeah. I, you know, um, my family really sacrificed a lot. Um, my mom and dad. They've, yeah, you know, they're they're awesome looking. Looking at it now, like you don't realize it when you're that young, like the sacrifices they made, but yeah. man, they they made some real sacrifices for me to get to where I wanted to go. And um, 
think that's one one reason I stuck in baseball so long was because I saw what my parents did and you know I put the time in because they they put the time into me yeah um so I wanted to pay them back and um do it for my family but uh once I got to professional baseball I mean I guess that's a little different story and uh, we can we can roll into that but um that's pretty much why I went to Pinson yeah um and going to Summerton Christian and then going to Pinson Valley um you know I've I'm Jasper at heart. Um, I've lived here my whole life. Um, I've lived in downtown Jasper. I've lived in in Boldo pretty much my whole life. And then when I got done playing, I moved back to Boldo. So I've been Jasper my whole life. uh, But I don't know too many people from this area just because I didn't go to school here. um, And when I didn't go to school here, after that, I, you know, went off for about 10 years and now i'm back so i'm trying to make the connections i need to make to um you know feel feel a little more at home and um so yeah it's weird because you know like most of the people that say this place sucks are the people that have never left yeah we always talk about that like i left after senior year of high school i got left didn't come back much Mm -hmm. and so i was kind of like you but i didn't stay going as long as you did yeah. <clears throat> so when I came back, like most of the people I was still friends with are still around. Yeah. So I didn't have like a problem integrating mm-hmm. back in. So I can imagine what it was like, cause you went to Auburn mm-hmm. after high, uh, after high school, yep. which is playing baseball in the SEC is pretty baller. <laughs> I mean, you saw, you saw the fruits of your labor in that. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, I grew up, I don't know how many people know this. You may see like me with Auburn hat on or I played at Auburn, but, you know, I, I grew up an Alabama fan. I was diehard Crimson Tide. Like, my, I used to wear Alabama clothes all, all the time. Um, my dad was a big football guy, and all I heard growing up was Bear Bryant. Yeah. And um, so for me to go to Auburn was a big deal. Um, and when I went to Auburn, I completely I switched over my fandom to Auburn and really – gave that program a heart um so when i went there um you know it was was a big deal for me to to go to auburn but i went there because uh the head coach that was there or the recruiting coordinator that was there at the time is the head coach there now butch thompson so he's the head honcho he's uh he's a really good coach really good uh manager of a program and um at the time he was the recruiting coordinator and little backstory on why I went to Auburn is because of him, but he was at Birmingham Southern for the longest with uh, Coach Shoup. Uh, Brian Shoup is a well-known name in the baseball community. He coached at Birmingham Southern for years, and then he went to UAB and coached and, um, until this past year when Casey Dunn took his job. And um, Butch Thompson was the pitching coach at Birmingham Southern when Coach Shoup was there. Well, when I was like 10 years old or – I was young. I was at some Birmingham Southern camps. I'd always go to them. They hosted a Christian camp, and um, uh, it was uh, one week of getting away and being on a baseball field, and they ran a really good camp, and I'd go to that every year. And one year, I guess uh, Coach Thompson saw me, and I was very young, and he pulled me off to the side and said, hey, if you keep working, 
if you keep getting better at this game, you can play for me one day. And uh, I took that to heart. And when the time came, he, he went off to, uh, <clears throat> I think he went to Georgia, and then he went to Auburn. And like two, that was like right when I was starting to get recruited. And he came to Auburn, and the guy that I went to Pinson Valley to do my training, he had a relationship with them, and he kind of, hey, you need to come look at Trent. And we, you know, developed a relationship. And um, at that time, my game hadn't really fully developed in high school. Like, I was just small. Um, I developed late. I matured late. And I was probably weighed a buck fifty-five. I mean, I was—I'm little right now because, you know, I'm—I used to be a lot bigger when I played. Yeah. But um, at that time I was—I was little, and but I still had the tools. I could—I could run. I could still hit for power, and I, you know, my game was good. Um, but I—I I just got overlooked a little bit. But um, when Auburn came and looked at me, you know, Butch wanted me, and so as soon as he offered me, I committed to Auburn. And uh, I didn't really let any other teams like Alabama and any other teams in the SEC even get a chance to kind of come take a look at me. Yeah. So as soon as Auburn offered, I committed. And um, so I really felt like from the very beginning, I was, hey, I'm dedicating myself to this program. Um, got there, kind of did my thing. Um, I grew a lot. Um, you know, college – a lot of people don't understand. If when you go to college for a D one school, they're gonna like our workout programs were I mean, we that's what we did. We went to school and then we were at the baseball field. Yeah. Um so we were always working out and I got a lot bigger and um you know, I put the time in. I I worked hard and I went from being an undrafted high school kid to the top drafted player on Auburn's baseball team. Um I think we had 11 guys get drafted that year, and I was the the top guy to get drafted out of, yeah. out of all those guys. And we had um, this is no, I'm not trying to exalt myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this I'm just telling you know what hard work pays off. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to stay humble. Um, I've I've been humbled. Yeah. I've seen what it's like to get knocked off and get buried (laughs) yeah um so i try to stay humble and um but yeah that's i've never tried to exalt myself um and so i had a had a good career at auburn and got drafted and that's when my professional career started um and i can go i could tell a lot of auburn baseball stories um we won the SEC West when I was there. We had two bad years. My freshman and sophomore year were awful. Yeah. We didn't make the uh, SEC tournament. And then my junior year, we blew up. We won the SEC West and hosted a regional. And um, so did that. Um, what else? Oh, I played, I played in an era that, of the composite bats. So if in 2000 and set I think 2006 7 8 9 they had composite Easton made a composite bat yeah that was is it's either blue orange or gray they made three straight years of this Easton comp is what it was called 
and for the two freshman and sophomore year of college, I had to watch all these other teams use these bats. So Auburn was a TPX sponsored team, Louisville Slugger, <laughs> Slugger TPX, and we didn't have any composite bats. All they had yeah. was an aluminum bat that when you hit it, it went tink. Yeah. Um, these composite bats were basically nobody had figured them out yet, but they knew if you but pretty much busted them, busted up the composite in them, that the ball was like trampoline off of it. Yeah. So when you would hit it, it would sound like a, it was just like a thump. And you couldn't hardly hear it coming off the bat, but played against some really big names in college um, in the SEC who were using these bats and the balls were just flying. Yeah. Like it was wild. We didn't, I really think that's why my freshman and sophomore year, we didn't, make it to the SEC tournament is because we had such a disadvantage from other teams using those bats. Um, and so I've seen some, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of my years in baseball. Uh, as I kind of feel like I have my, my master's degree in baseball. <laughs> yeah. You played center field, right? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Cause the only time I like, obviously I'm an Alabama fan, mm-hmm. but before I go into that, you're kind of like Chavis, you know, Chavis. Yeah. Like he was an Auburn fan. Mm-hmm. As long as I knew him. And then when he goes to Alabama, he's an Alabama fan. Yeah. Now he's an Alabama fan. Yeah. So it's kind of how it works in life, I guess. Yeah. Um, definitely. I mean. Got to change the allegiance. I play with a lot of guys who stayed, stayed Alabama fans. And I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, like, I I put my heart and soul into that program. Um, I wanted to win. And I, I just – I've always been a guy who, I guess uh, – doesn't like his opponents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when I played, I'd I, like, yeah, you, you play with guys during summer league and stuff and, and you come to like them, but I always play with a, like a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. I had to, um, I wasn't big enough. I wasn't fast enough. I just, I, I played hard. Um, that's what playing hard and practicing the right way and fundamentals and running bases. There's, there's a lot to baseball, you know, there's, being able to bunt, being able to run, um, and just be smart. And that's kind of why, you know, I won a gold glove my sophomore year at Auburn is Rawlings gold glove. It's the college edition. And, uh, um, you know, I think I maybe had one error that year, but, um, I started off having one of the best seasons of my life. My sophomore year, yeah. I, I hit like fifth. I think 15 home runs that year, but I think I had like 10 home runs through half the season. And I was on like a 20-game hitting streak and just putting up ridiculous numbers. I think Team USA had called our coach and was talking about, like, you know, for a tryout that summer. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I just hit a wall. Uh, I just hit a bump, couldn't hit anything. <laughs> it was just the worst second half ever and ended up. I was hitting close to 400 halfway through the season and ended up hitting under 300 and um, like half of the home runs. I ended up hitting 15 that year, but um, I told myself that year when I was playing not to take my bats to the field. Like, okay, yeah, you struck out. We'll go make a diving play. Like do something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So um, yeah, that, that year I won a gold glove and um, my junior year, it was a really good year. Um, I can go back to my freshman year. I was pretty blessed to get to play as a freshman. 
you know, I came in and like, that's one big thing. Like when you're getting recruited at this time, we didn't have cell phones, didn't have the internet, didn't have Instagram, didn't have Facebook. You didn't really have a lot of tools to do the research. How I researched Auburn's team was they, they would send out um, programs and you'd see the roster and everything. And so I kind of saw the guys, Hey, this is who I need to beat out. And as I got there as a freshman, I didn't start like the first couple of games and they had a pretty touted center fielder and um, he was a pitcher as well. And he's like a summer league player of the year, like was in ESPN magazine, like pretty big name and ended up, I don't know, man, he just got to where he wasn't playing very good. And fifth game in, he messed up and they put me in center field and <laughs> I never let anybody else have it. Yeah. Um, so played, played my whole freshman year. That's that's a big deal, playing as a freshman. Yeah, I was about to ask you what what did you feel like the talent gap was from high school to going into college? You're like, holy crap! Yeah, like, it's just the speed of the game, um, and it happens at every level. It happens. It's just a different speed. At in the high school level, my senior year, I got to where the game was slow, and I was the top dog, and. There wasn't anybody – I wasn't going to face a pitcher that I wasn't confident in hitting. Yeah. You know, it was like you see these guys who get in the zone in any sport, and that's how I felt my senior year of high school. Like, the the numbers I put up in high school were pretty silly, like, looking back <laughs> on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was like – I think I hit, like, 450. I think I had nine triples, nine home runs, 15 doubles, and, like, 30 or 40 stolen bases. Like it was, yeah. And this was 6A. I was playing legit teams. and Before there was a 7A. Before there was 7A, <laughs> yeah. And um, so playing at the top of my game, the game was slow my senior high school. Then you get to college, and the game speeds up again. Yeah. So you're like, you feel like you feel out of place a little bit. And it takes, it, it took me three years to slow the game down. My freshman year was fast. My sophomore year, I thought I had it figured out. I started off hot and then hit a wall halfway through the season. And you kind of learn from those failures. And I went off and played baseball in Cape Cod going from my sophomore year to my junior year. And Cape Cod is um, the best college baseball, summer league baseball there is. And um, so kind of had that same thing my sophomore year up in Cape Cod I started off pretty good and fizzled out and I was learning how to hit with wood um I was I feel like I, I was pretty naive pretty dumb um <laughs> at the time it's like you're playing against very good players and I didn't really know the type of talent I was playing with uh looking back at it like Chris Sale pitched on one of those teams no, uh, yeah really? you're, you're facing all these guys are going to play in the major leagues yeah. or play professional baseball. Right. And you face some big names up there and it's like, oh, the, the, you're playing on high school fields. Umpires are kind of bad. <laughs> There's no batter's eyes. The conditions are not very good. And you're facing guys throwing 95 hard on your hands and you're hitting with a wood bat. And so you grow a lot. That was that was like my biggest growing experience in baseball was when I went up to Cape Cod. Um, learned how to find barrel. I feel like 
you don't like you can get away with hits with a metal bat that you can't get away with with a wood bat and when you go up and play with wood you finally figure out hey if i don't hit this barrel this is not going to be good yeah. <laughs> yeah so you start learning how to move your hands through your swing and and really focusing on finding the barrel and my junior year uh man i was had a great fall good winter i was in the best shape of my life uh and was absolutely killing it in the spring right before the season started and we had a inter squad game like a week before the season started it's kind of silly i mean looking back at it it's just one of those freak accidents yeah. um had an inter squad game it had rained the whole night before they had the tarp on the field and when they were taking they took the tarp off the field and dumped all the water like out in shallow center field <laughs> shallow right field that's just what happens and yeah. uh it was nasty and we played an inner squad game and a hitter hit a shallow pop-up and i ran full speed on it and went to stop and my feet slid out from under me and my toe caught and when it did my foot pretty much went completely backwards like uh, knee i thought i thought i tore everything on my knee i thought i i didn't know what i did but i heard some pops and got carried off the field and um was just in shambles at the time because your junior year is your draft year right uh, you can't get unless you're 21 years old as a sophomore you can't get drafted to your junior year so you put all in all this time to you know hey this is the year i can finally get drafted and um so a week before the season started when i'm in the best shape of my life i break my fibula and have a third degree high ankle sprain a week before my junior season yeah and um man that was that was the first true injury i'd ever had like i'd never really been hurt uh, i'd had a couple i tore a ligament in my finger my freshman year um you know, just just little things, but nothing that like sidelines you for too long. I was about to say, something you can come back from, pretty, yeah, yeah, relatively quick. Yeah, and this was like, hey, you're done, like you're shut down. Like you went and saw Doctor Andrews, and they brought me in and um, basically put me under to have surgery on my fibula, and they went in there and uh, looked at it under an X-ray and like pushed it around and stuff and saw that I didn't have to have a pin in it. Uh, and so I didn't have to have surgery, but yeah. they, they put me under, um, and I didn't have to have surgery on it. So I go back and, um, they put me in a cast. So I'm in a cast for four weeks. My bone is still broken when they cut the cast off and put me in a walking boot. <laughs> so when they put me in a walking boot, they're basically told me, Hey, you can do your therapy on your high ankle sprain with your fibula still broke um yeah <laughs> so yeah. they so every morning i would go into the uh auburn physical therapy and the athletic department and the guys who there were unbelievable the the head trainer guy man I, he was he was a blessing uh, he was very good and um i worked my butt off for four weeks in a in a walking boot and got cleared to play and um came back and it was the LSU series so I missed eight weeks to begin the season and during those eight weeks I'm I basically missed playing against 
what we call teams to pad your stats. Yeah. So I didn't get to play against the Alabama A&Ms, like the teams where guys are throwing 85 and they'll throw one over the middle of the plate and you hit it out of the park. The ones where they're <laughs> getting paid to get strokes. Yeah, yeah. They're like, that was like you're trying to get your average up over 400 and you're trying to get a bunch of home runs the first quarter of the season. Right. Because you're you're playing <clears throat> against teams where – you can do that, yeah. Because you know, once once you get into the SEC, you're gonna you're gonna struggle a little bit because these guys are good, the pitching's good, and the games are tougher, and you're not gonna be able to carry that through the season. So, uh, I missed uh, I missed a good bit of the season. Missed all the missed all those games, and uh, came back. And first game was against LSU. Uh, I could hardly run, like my my leg hurt. Yeah. My, but I was going to play. <laughs> right. It was one of the, like, I couldn't hardly run. I was limping around the bases and they, they pent or DH me that night. And, uh, the next night they put me in center field and I was back at it. Um, I think the second night I played, I, it might've been the first night. I think I hit a home run against LSU. And later on in that series, I hit a grand slam and it was like, I didn't stop. Right. Um, so I ended up hitting 360 that year, which was pretty good for considering didn't get to face a lot of bad teams. I uh, hit 17 home runs. Um, and if you would have um, basically did the math, I would have ended up hitting over 30 home runs that year, which would have probably, I think is an Auburn record. Uh, yeah. So yeah. the only only thing I'm in the Auburn record book for is hit by pitches in a season. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did you manage that? Well, the some that summer league program I talked to you about on at Pinson Valley, like yeah. we were notorious for, hey, if you don't get out of the way or if you get out of the way of a pitch, like we're gonna rag you. Yeah. So it was kind of one of those things like we would get hit by pitches or take walks and we'd pimp them. Um so if you <laughs> like during baseball in 2021 and 2020, pimping became like popular. Yeah. You can hit a home run and you can toss your bat and you can showboat. We would kind of do that with getting hit by pitches. <laughs> <laughs> so we would get a hit by pitch and we'd do a bat flip and like we'd walk and do a bat flip. Yeah. Like it was just one of those things. And um, we, we were tough. Like it was just one of we got I got beat up on a regular basis at like that baseball complex. Right. <laughs> I I was small and the guys were older and for some reason I got picked on. Yeah. And um it's cuz they knew you were better than them. It's okay. I guess so. <laughs> uh, but it's all good. We we're all buddies now. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's so when I went to Auburn, I guess being left-handed had something to do with it. Um I stood a little bit on top of the plate. Um and I just never got out of the way of pitches. I was always, always wanted to be a tough out. Um, I didn't really learn how to be a tough out till my junior year of college, and two strike approach, and and just not striking out. That's such a big thing. It's yeah. putting the ball in play, and um, so I learned. You know, just got better as the years went on, and finally got drafted. So you know, I'm bringing you from elementary school up to me getting drafted to play for the Baltimore Orioles. And um, 
I feel like my professional career was <laughs> it was a it was an experience. Yeah. Uh, it was not a good experience. I was injured multiple times during it. Um and I feel like I was just a little bit I wish I'd have known when to say no. Um I guess I was a yes man. Yeah. And I was so in love with baseball that I didn't know how to say, Hey, I don't need to play. Like there was a lot of people who said, Hey, there's a difference between being hurt and, you know, being injured versus having some pain, um, and playing through it. And I didn't know the difference of that. Yeah. So I played through, I played through a, uh, a strained quad. Like as soon as I got drafted, like I got hurt, like, I strained my quad in the SEC tournament my junior year and ended up getting drafted. And when I got drafted, I went, I signed my contract and went up to Baltimore and started playing with a strained quad. Yeah, not, I, not ideal. No, not the <laughs> best way to start your professional career. So my prep, like I started out, I was in the New York Penn League. Uh, that's rookie ball for the Baltimore Orioles. And I was playing with a strained quad and, Still ended up making the New York Penn League All-Star team. Um, played pretty well, and it's just a long year. People don't realize from you start college baseball, you're going all year, and then you get drafted, and then you got to go play like 60 to you know 70 more games. Yeah. It's, it's a long – your first, first season of professional baseball is long. So you didn't go back to Auburn after you got drafted? After I got drafted and played, I went back and lived. I didn't go – I I got drafted as a, as a junior yeah. and um I went back and hung out with my friends. Um I didn't finish my school. <laughs> um eventually I did finish my school. So uh, that that was thankfully I had my wife and um we were girl, you know, she was my girlfriend at the time and she um she helped me get through that when I was done playing and, and going back to Auburn and finishing my school. Yeah. Um, so but my four years of professional baseball were riddled with injuries, uh, living life, living the minor league life. Uh, the minor league life is no, nowhere to be living. If you're going to play professional baseball, you better make it to the big leagues. Yeah. Um, I mean, nowadays they're starting to house minor leaguers. I saw them which I guess they're going to either rent out hotels or build apartments. I don't know how they're doing it. But when I was playing, it was you I think I was making like 1200 like a paycheck every two weeks. That's it? Yeah. And you have to pay rent out of that. Yeah. Like that's all you're making. And you up there pay, is not cheap. Yeah. You got to pay clubhouse dues. I got, Thankfully, I got a signing bonus. Yeah. So that's kind of like what held me over. Um, I never felt <clears> – <throat> I never felt like a lot of other minor leaguers. There were some minor leaguers that didn't get any money out of the draft. And I mean, it was, it was tough to like, it was just tough for them. Yeah. Um, thankfully I, I got drafted high enough to get a signing bonus. So I was able to live a decent life in the minor leagues, but at the same time, you still feel like you're like, you just feel like you're broke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> grinding it yeah, out. You're just, you're, you're grinding it out. I was living with host families you're staying in bad hotels. You're riding buses everywhere. Like I'm good. Like yeah. I'm, I'm good on uh, being on the road. Um, 
So did that for four years. Uh, by the time it was all said and done, I mean, I could talk a, a good bit about my professional career, um, but it just, it wasn't what I wanted it it to be. You know, right. I got drafted playing the big leagues, but just, um, you know, fortunately I got hit with some injuries. Yeah. Um, and so maybe I wasn't good enough, but whatever. Do you feel um, like, uh, do you feel like had you not probably had that first injury that kind of got your legs a little wobbly at some point? Do you feel like that might have been the game changer? Uh, you ever go back and think about stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. I wish uh, as soon as I hurt my quad in the SEC tournament, I wouldn't have played any more baseball till I got healthy. I look back on a lot of stuff, but at the time you don't know these answers, and I didn't really have anybody to turn to to, to give me good advice. Yeah. Um, it was just people saying, you know, I just got bad advice from people. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I had the quad injury and then I ended up tearing my hamstring. So Ooh. tore my hamstring and had probably, I think three or four diagnosed concussions in the minor leagues. How'd that happen? Um, so my first full season, I was crushing it. I started in low A and, had already moved up to high A within like 15 games, maybe not even that. Like they just saw that I was good enough to not be in low A. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was the same draft class as Manny Machado. And, um, so me and him played, started out in low A together. I got moved up to high A, played a couple games and he got moved up to high A. So like I was on like the track to kind of like play with Machado and yeah. he was, we were we were pretty good boys. Like you know, he's yeah. like if I saw him, if I saw him, like at a Braves game playing against you know with the Padres, I could shout to hey Manny. And, yeah, you know we could probably hit it up a little bit, but uh, I've lost touch with him a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, that happens. That's natural. Yeah, but uh, you know I got pulled up to high A, and um, I think I let's see here. What I, what happened the first time I had a concussion was I dove headfirst into the center field wall. So we played on a short field, plywood fences, which is like whenever I see a plywood fence on a baseball field, it's it really makes me mad. PTSD. Yeah, I mean it, it's one of those things. Like this is professional baseball. You have so much money in these guys, <laughs> yeah, and you're gonna make them play on a field like where they can get hurt. Um, so I think it should be a rule where all professional fields need to have padding on the walls. Yeah. Um, it may have, who knows? It's not a big enough deal for me to go fight it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do think that there should be padding on the walls, but there was a, a line drive fly ball hit deep in the gap and I tracked it down and ran full speed and dove over the warning track and, head straight into the plywood wall um i mean it banged me up pretty good i had to get carted off in an ambulance and cat scans and all that jeez yeah it it was concussions are no joke yeah um they're they're a weird weird animal you grew up in a time where we're really starting to understand a lot about concussions as well yeah i mean it's uh you know when i was growing up playing football we were doing bull in the ring at like (laughs) At like 10 years old yeah. and look at Oklahoma drill. Like it's just, that's one of the things I regret being younger 
when we were growing up together was dad wouldn't let me play football because he was like, you're going to play golf. That's, you can play basketball, but yeah. you're going to play golf. Yeah. And I was like, okay, <laughs> whatever. And that was like me. I begged my parents to play football. Uh, my dad played football and I, I guess I wanted to be like dad. Yeah. But, um, I, I begged to play football and that's something I wish I would have never done. Um, you know, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old now, and my three-year-old is a boy. And I, the only football he's going to get to play is flag football yeah. um, until he shows that, like, he can be the hammer and not the nail. Right, right. <laughs> if, if he's not suited for football, I'm going to be like, hey, you do not need to play football. From the time I can tell you, you're probably going to max out like 158, 125, 130. Yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> so I know you're a big soccer fan. Yeah. So I do want to, um, you know, I want him to play soccer. Um, Dude, if uh, they didn't have practices on the nights I work, mm-hmm. I would try to be a coach. Really? Yeah. You know enough about it? To- Over the almost 10 years that I've been following it, like I feel like I've understood where I could coach it on like an amateur level. Yeah. Not like high, not like college. Yeah. Because that's where people really get like tactical. But I can feel like I teach these kids the fundamentals too. Mm-hmm kind of get them to these camps and stuff like you went to well you would know more than me like i don't know anything about like techniques and soccer well, if you ever play fifa and you need some good tactics just <laughs> holler at me and i'll tell you how to set up your fifa ultimate all right yeah, <laughs> but sure. no like I'll, I'll sit there like i understand the game now yeah so like when i'm sitting there watching a game i'm like okay i get why they're screwing up and where they shouldn't be screwing up yeah kind of stuff like that where i could help up to high school yeah I guess. absolutely but letting kids grow up like this one we got with us he wants to play football and I'm like look like you don't understand yeah and like let's watch some NFL football okay you see that guy he's um 6'7 uh 270 yeah Yeah. are you gonna be that the chances (laughs) of you being that big are very slim bud you know it's but you know going through baseball like that's it makes you appreciate like the greats we have in our generation, how they've just grinded it out. Yeah. Because now you've experienced it. You're like, yeah. I mean, people, people, I tell people all the time, like the guys who are up in the big leagues are like the greatest at that spot. Yeah. Out of like this many people, like the things they do outfielders. I see bad outfield play all the time. Yeah. Um, see some good outfielders, but, see a lot of bad outfielders because um, if you can hit and you can play a little defense, they're going to put you out there. Right. Um, but center field for the most part is some pretty solid defensive players, but the infielders in the major leagues are so ridiculously yeah. like good. Like they don't, they don't make errors. They don't boot balls. They don't, they don't do stupid stuff. They don't like, you better be glad Shane's not here because he's going on about Dansby ah. in Game Five. <laughs> See, that's the, I don't even watch. I didn't even watch any of the World Series. Um, that's you would think me playing baseball, I, I watch it, but heck, my TV stays on a bunch of kids shows right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Coco Melon and <laughs> just yeah. You're just sitting there like, man, life has changed. It, it sure has, yeah. but yeah, for the better. I, I don't. I don't watch a lot of baseball anymore um i go to barons games i think the barons are awesome um it's double a baseball double a baseball is i never made it to double a to make it to double a is good like you're 
knocking on the doorsteps to the big leagues. They don't let anybody just play double A baseball. Right. Like you are a top prospect if you're in double A. And triple uh, A is kind of like the older crowd in the minor leagues. They're, they're just veterans. They've maybe had some pro time, you know, major league time, but they get bumped down. Um, but double A baseball is like young prospects who are, who could be a guy. Yeah. Um, you know, and heck the white Sox are so good right now. They've had some, some really good players come through there, um, these past few years, but stadium's nice. Atmosphere's nice. That stadium's Uh, a blessing to Birmingham. Yeah. The stadium's unbelievable Yeah, for it to be right there in town. Um, the atmosphere for a, for a minor league game is top notch. Um, I've played in some awful, (laughs) awful, Minor league, like my home team, the Frederick Keys. Oh man, it was just such a bad, 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 bad. Did you ever get to play in Camden Yards? I did a one week workout there. Yeah. So after I got drafted and after I did my first half season, short season is what they call it, they did a uh, mini camp, it's called, and um, basically brought the top new prospects and let them stay in a big hotel kind of overlooking Camden and um, go out there every day. They'd feed us like it was like, Hey, this is, this is pretty sweet. Yeah. I'm here with uh, Manny Machado, Jonathan Scope, like a bunch of big name at the time. It was like, I felt like I deserved to be there with them. But yeah. now looking back at it, I was like, I knew, <laughs> I knew at the time, like, Hey, these guys are the real deal because right. When Machado, like my first spring training, he was 19. He got drafted out of high school, and I was 21. I think he might have been still 18. But uh, we would be at spring training playing games together, and he's just crushing the ball, like hitting it like like he's, you know, like Machado would at that age. And it's like, man, I am – 21 and he's playing to the same ability as i am at this age right and man he just some guys are on a different level yeah like it's it's a special god-given ability and you know they just have fortunate careers where they stay healthy and but but i mean it's it's kind of like Guys like uh, Messi and Ronaldo, like you get your generational talents that come yeah. through, and it's like, how do these guys do this stuff? Well, let's, like on my end with golf, like when I went to junior college before I got hurt and decided to move back, I was like, in Walker County, there was a few other guys like I knew they were better than me, mm-hmm. but I was like, not many people's going to beat me yeah. around here. And then playing junior tournaments, like, at the age group I was in at that time, you started to see like the discrepancy and who's going to go to college, who's going to go pro mm-hmm. and who's just having their parents drive them all over the Southeast yeah. on the weekends. Yeah. And there's a couple of guys that I played junior tournaments with from you know, within like a 60 mile radius of where we are right now. They're on the, pro, they're on the PGA tour. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I just knew, like, just watching these guys, I was like, man, I thought I was good. Mm-hmm. No, well, I was average yeah. as far as this scale went. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm scratch, thinking I'm good. Yeah. 
You go out there and shoot like 70, 69, 70, 71. They're like, oh, that's a good day. Kid two years younger than you comes in with a 64. I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, I'm just going to be a weekend hacker when I get older. Yeah, but that's, a, that's the beauty of golf, though, is that you can play your whole life. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a big golf fan. Uh, I think I played the wrong sport. <laughs> like, so, like I've, I've already got my three-year-old some golf clubs. Yeah. You know, I want to put some golf clubs in his hand. I want to put a soccer ball on his feet. Um, baseball. So, like, if he wants to play and he's dedicated to it, so what? Like, if he's good, he's good. It doesn't. Exactly. It doesn't matter to me. Um, same. It's just I know what it takes to to be good at something, and you got to want it. And if you don't want it, um, I've seen so many kids, you know, I used to, for a while I did, uh, hitting lessons. Mm-hmm. Like when I came back, when I first came back from finishing ba- my baseball career, um, I do hitting lessons and I just, it would eat me up inside to see a lot of these kids just not care. Yeah. And, and it was something that I cared so much about. Um, I mean, I'd, I was really passionate about coaching. Um, I, it's just my name was on. Like I, there wasn't really one lesson where I didn't give it my all. Um, I thought I could fix every kid. I thought I could, and I think I did. You know, um, and where I'm coming at is from this is, um, I guess after I finished playing, I'll kind of get back to. I'm kind of jumping ahead of the story. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> this podcast never stays on the rails. Yeah. We're all over the place. Yeah. So it's so okay. I can get to there. So professional career, we're talking about Machado, this, that, the other. Um, yeah, he was he was a good player. Um, when I finished playing, I was had a, had a tough – I had a tough go. Um, but I was injured. I was injured. I was injured. I never played healthy and I couldn't get, I couldn't give it up. I couldn't give the game up. I did not want to quit. I didn't want to go turn in my release. That's what you do is when you're done, when you want to quit, you go, Hey, I want my release. I want to quit. And I never went and asked for my release. Um, I wanted to make them pretty much say, Hey, we're done with you. Yeah. And, uh, so, about four years in the minor leagues, they finally pulled me in. I could, it was the end of the road for me. Like I was really trying to figure out life at that point. Like, hey, what's Plan B? Where am I? Yeah. What's what's going on? Um, like before I left for spring training, I had a lot of uh, a lot of anxiety over it. I had I I still remember having dreams of like tornadoes. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Like, if you have dreams of tornadoes, like there's something conflicting in your life, yeah. like a major a major deal. And I still remember like going into my last year, knowing like, hey, if you don't if you don't get healthy, if you don't put it together, like this is going to be it. And uh, so it was it. Um, finished my career, came back home, started working with my dad a little bit, doing construction, and um, I think I was 24 at the time. And, um, so started doing residential construction and saw that side of life, saw manual labor and, um, was like, man, I don't really want to do this. Um, so my buddy 
who played with the Kansas City Royals, played with me at Auburn, was at was a student assistant coach at Auburn at the time, and he texted me. He's like, "Hey, there's an open spot. Come finish your school, be a student assistant coach." And so I was like, thought long and hard. Like I've been on the road at this point for so long. Like I'm finally back home. So it was really tough for me to make that call. Yeah. And a lot of people be like, man, you get the opportunity to go coach and finish school. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great deal. Um, but for me at the time, it was tough. Um, I didn't want to be away from home. I had a new girlfriend at the time and didn't want to be away from her. Um, but she was actually, we were doing long distance at the time. She was in Mobile. And uh, so I went to, yeah, I went back to Auburn as like 24 years old or and had two years of school left to change my major because when I was at Auburn my plan a was I'm gonna play professional baseball I don't need this college stuff and um, college calculus really <laughs> crushed me in yeah. my freshman year math sucks. yeah math was tough <laughs> And I was like, all right, I'm not doing business school. I'm going to go to kinesiology because you don't have to have calculus. <laughs> and that was the only reason I was like, oh, I like to stay fit. Um, so did that. But when I went back, I was like, all right, I'm going to crush this calculus class. I'm going back to business school. So a whole year's worth of credits are out the door because I changed back my major. Ended up getting an A in the calculus class. Hey. Yep. <laughs> had tutors, did the whole, like, I mean, after you've been out of math for a long time and then hopping back into it, it's like. <laughs> Let me tell you, seeing this common core stuff they do now in freaking elementary school, I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, good luck, Drew. Yeah. Like, Drew's my son. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be the guy giving him uh, schooling advice. My wife's really good at math, so I'm like, okay, <laughs> you handle this part. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's really hard to give up the stuff we grew up doing. Like, you grew up with baseball. I grew up with golf. Yeah. And there came a point in time, I moved up to Tennessee to go to school at Lee University. And I would, they had, like, this little amateur, it wasn't it wasn't the golf channel amateur tour, but it was just, like, an amateur thing. They'd play all these different golf courses around Chattanooga, like, pretty much just East Tennessee. Yeah. And I'd play those. And my floor mate, he'd come right around and watch and stuff because he like he would like to play golf but he wasn't good enough yeah and he was like man why don't you try try to play here i was like i don't want to <laughs> i was like i know what it requires mm -hmm. because like, i only played junior college for like two months before i got hurt yeah and it was like you know what my grandmother's in bad health my granddad's in bad health i'd rather just go home at this point yeah and so when i came back and then moved up there i was like I'm having a hard time letting go of it. Yeah. You spent, because there were so many days at Horse Creek, dude, I'd pick up range balls. I'd go hit one of the crates that we'd pick up. Yeah. I'd go hit a full crate and just pick them right back up, just like you could get practice in. Yeah. And you're like, I spent so much time. Mm -hmm. It's it's really hard to let go of that kind of stuff. And like now, if I go out and, sh if, I, if I don't, at Horse Creek, yeah. if I don't shoot below 75 at Horse Creek, I'm pissed. Yeah. Just because I know how to play it. Mm-hmm. Like, if I go anywhere else, I know. <laughs> if I'm playing bad, I'm going to be playing bad. Yeah. That's amazing how playing a course for so long, you uh, you start to understand how to play it. Um, it's like if you go up and play with these guys up at Musgrove, like these older guys who yeah. have been playing there for so long, they'll just 
absolutely smoke you. Yeah. And it's the same with Horse Creek. Same everywhere. It's just like they've been, they know how to play that course. They've like, been playing it for so long. When I, when I worked there, we got to play for free. Mm-hmm. So it was like, if I worked in the mornings, I was out there in the afternoons. If I had to work afternoons, I was out there in the mornings. Yeah. And I was still hitting range balls. But you learn how to play the golf course. Like, you know, every bump, turn, if you put it in this spot, where do you need to go? You, just, you understand the golf course. Yeah. So I was like, you can play it good on your bad days. Yeah. That's uh. That's why it's my confidence booster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of like disc golf. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, we hadn't got into disc golf yet. No. But, I mean, is there any point where you look back and you're like, I wish things were different? Or are you, like, at the point now that we've kind of gotten out of our mid-20s? Uh, it's like, you know what? Life is the way it needs to be. Well, you know, life is the I'm very blessed. Yeah. Life is the way it needs to be for me, for sure. Shout out to you for marrying a door, girl. Hey. <laughs> like, I've been all, I went up and down the East Coast, like, playing ball. Um and married a door girl you know it's it's it was wild how me and her met and got back in touch and um just felt like home yeah Uh, she's she's a great girl and um but yeah things are definitely i'm i'm blessed with how they worked out yeah um but at the time when it's happening you you don't think you are um right it's, it's a it's a grind um you know like you said, um, finishing baseball, it, it was, I got drugged through the mud in baseball, like to finish out my career. Um, when I went back and coached at Auburn, I coached for a year. I had two years of school. So my first year I coached and then the head coach at Auburn, his name was Sonny Galloway. Um, su- super good guy. Like he, me and him were, close we're we're boys like i was one of his guys that he liked because i don't i wasn't on the payroll (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know i I was i was free help i knew what i was talking about i could have been paid help yeah like i was there to help the program out um and he saw that i knew what i was talking about and he saw the passion i had for that program as a student assistant coach and um he ended up getting fired my, after my first year. <laughs> so I'd just been through four years of awful baseball being injured, and then I come back to school to get my school and coach baseball, and the head coach gets fired. Yeah. And while I played at Auburn, I had – they had fired coaches all three years I was there. Yeah. So it was – I was kind of over it. Like, I'd seen that – coaching lifestyle i've seen what bad coaches do what happens just i was ready to settle down yeah like if i wanted to coach baseball i was going to be on the road i was going to be recruiting i was going to have my family like say to get to where i wanted to get i'd want to coach in the sec like that's the ultimate goal in college coaching probably in football and and, in anything now yeah and um, to get to that level, you have to bounce around. You're not going to go – I mean, I'm, the guys that are coaching my age now have gone, like, one program and then to SEC. So I've seen it happen. But there's bouncing around. It's just a tough lifestyle. Yeah. It's a tough lifestyle for family. And 
I've been on the road so much that I was when he got fired. They the whole coaching staff got fired, and it was it was a pretty ugly situation. I was somehow got wrapped up in the middle of it. <laughs> Never fails. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, guys, I'm a student assistant coach. Y'all must think I'm really dang good to call me and fire me. <laughs> so as long as I'm not kicked out of school, we're yeah, good. yeah. Like I got a semester left. Like let's just let me get out of here. Yeah. Um. So finished that. When I finished that, I came back home. Uh, I didn't coach the the head coach that's there now, Butch Thompson. That's who recruited me. So they hired him after they fired Sonny Galloway and Butch message like he called me and we talked and i think we both kind of knew like hey this you know i i wasn't gonna coach anymore with i wasn't gonna join the new staff yeah because i was just i didn't feel right like they fired everybody i could have joined i could have been a part of like continuing on but it just wasn't right like it there's some stuff that was going on that I just didn't want to be a part of. I was ready to get out of there. And um, came back and started doing, at this time, I was still doing like high school baseball lessons. I was coming back on the weekends. I would drive on Sundays. I'd come up and I would do like from nine o'clock in the morning to like six at night, just straight lessons, like yeah. trying to make a little bit of money. Um, so when I was done school, I was like, all right, I got this batting cage. Um, my parents, man, they've they've done a lot for me. Um, they built me a batting cage when I got drafted. Um, so I had top-notch facility to practice in, to hit in, and uh, I used it to give lessons and um, did that for a few years and just uh, was got to the point where I just didn't want to do it anymore. Right. Um, I was ready to learn something new. When I, looking back, it was like when I'm 50 something years old, is all I want to know. Like, I want to be able to teach somebody something else than hitting a baseball. Yeah. Like, there's more to life than baseball. And that's why I got out of it. I just wanted to learn more in life. I wanted to do more in life. Um, and, it was a tough transition it was it took me a long <laughs> time to get there but um yeah man i'm at a good place right now yeah um don't watch much baseball i love the game i'll go to barons games if you if you sat with me at a barons game i can tell you everything you need to know last time i went to a barons game there's some guys sitting behind me that were talking like they were saying the uh, there was, they were like, hey, the guys wearing white cleats are big leaguers who are down here playing in the minor leagues. I was like, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're probably just wearing white cleats because they're wearing white cleats. Yeah, like, personal uh, preference. Yeah, personal, yeah. So, yeah, but I'm at a good place, man. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. I married a, an unbelievable girl. Um, I have two kids, and... I'm home and life is good. Yeah. See, uh, it took me a while to get to that point too, which I moved back far younger, a little younger than you did. And I always say like, I don't have any regrets except one. And that was to not 
go get like my PGA professional mm-hmm. credits to where I could be like a manager pretty much of a golf course or yeah. like a club pro. Yeah. Because I'm like you, like I can sit there and watch people swing a golf club. Mm-hmm. And if they like snap hook it or have a block to the right, I'm like, here's how you fix it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I understood the golf swing because my dad taught me my swing, but I studied it constantly how to improve my swing. Yeah. And so it was, it was more of the physical aspect of mine. And so when the mental part came, I was like, didn't read up much on that part. <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I thought I, I know I can swing a golf club, but when you're like, yo, I need to shoot this to qualify for this tournament or, you know, play in the last grouping or whatever. It's like, it's yeah. a totally different story. Yeah. So I was like, that was my ultimate goal was to be like, <clears throat> just a club pro or something, just to give lessons yeah. and not have that pressure of you've got, you've got to shoot this to, to survive. Yeah. But I had a hard time letting go of that. But when I did, I'm where I'm at now. And I'm, do you play golf anymore? Yeah, I still play. Do you? Uh, I, about this time of the year now is when I start to hang it up until yeah. spring. Yeah. Like I'll go practice if it's a warmer day, but I don't like wearing layers to yeah. play golf in because I yeah, golf believe it or not I'm here. still flexible when it comes to my golf swing <laughs> and that was what like you know you you said you were smaller and had to hit for power and <clears throat> stuff like that I was the smallest guy out there most of the time but I was pissing on you off the tee box yeah. more often than not Yeah. so it's like I relied on techni- technique and flexibility like I stretched every day mm-hmm. and I still try to stretch like when I'm in the gym or something just to maintain that flexibility but yeah, I still play. It's just maybe once or twice a month. Yeah, through the warmer months. Now I don't feel bad like hanging it up. Yeah, because there, I went two and a half years. I didn't watch PGA. <laughs> I didn't touch a club. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, like my clubs stayed at my parents' house after I first got married, and I just didn't care because yeah. I was like, it'll never be my life again because it was my life for twenty something years. Yeah, I mean, it's I I get it. Uh, I, I see a lot of guys go through like when you've dedicated so much time into something and it doesn't doesn't work out the way you think it's going to work out. I mean, it's it's tough mentally. When um, you think you're good at something, you understand how good you have to be to make it perf- like for it to yeah, be your job. You got to people don't understand like you have to dedicate every, like this. It's your job. Yeah, like it's it's your what you do you practice you work out you you dedicate all your 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 time and energy to that one game to be good at it um i mean and it's and it's crushing to not not make it to your ultimate goal right um and then you're trying to figure out all right what's next (laughs) like (laughs) what where, where can i find this passion when i started school like i was playing golf like after high school when i started college i was playing golf so it was like business i guess because my granddad was big into like the stock market and stuff so i understood all that and i didn't like it when i started taking the classes i was like buddy if the golf fails sure enough it did like a month later yeah i was like where am i gonna go from here so and now i'm in the medical field and i'm happy like you like i couldn't ask for a better life at this point yeah i mean that's that's awesome would i would i love to make 1.7 million dollars for winning a golf tournament absolutely yeah but <laughs> that'll never be my life at this point i'm okay with it and that's i was at the park the other day and some people were talking 
I overheard them, and the guy was talking about Derrick Henry had had his injury, and then the lady was like, <clears throat> "Yeah, Calvin Ridley did this." And yeah, she was like, oh, "This is so tough," and I was like, "Yeah, it's real tough out there playing professional football, <laughs> making millions of dollars." Yeah, you know, like, yeah, I get it's tough. I see what you know. The mental health is like a big thing now. Yeah, but. It, there's there's people out there in a lot worse situations than Calvin Ridley. Yeah, <laughs> and we didn't we didn't talk about that stuff like when we were in college. Like when my grandmother got sick, like she was my rock. Mm-hmm. So when I found out like she had had a stroke and I'm stuck up here in uh, Muscle Shoals, I'm like, yeah. I can I can drive home. Yeah, but I got class in the morning. Mm-hmm. And when I got hurt, I was like, okay, this is the good Lord telling me you should probably go home. Yeah. But it it sucked, you know. I don't tell many people that story. It's just like, yeah, I got hurt. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of the same thing with me. Like, I don't go around telling my baseball story. Um, I hardly ever talk about myself. Yeah, um, I don't like it. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm here, so I feel like I I need to talk about myself a little bit. Yeah. So, um, kind of tell my story. What what a lot of people don't understand though is like. We real we realized back then we were totally different people with totally different dreams. Oh yeah. So, and like I said in college, I realized there was a lot of people. I was like, shoot, if I make it out of JUCO, I'll be happy. Yeah. And and there were some guys from around here that had went and played at like Wallace mm-hmm. that were really really good. Shoot, I saw a kid. So my buddy of mine asked me to play in a um, member guest thing up at Emerness Country Club um, and so I was like alright I'll yeah sure like cool Emerness Country Club I like playing there go yeah. play with them every now and again and I've only played golf four times this year like it just I've all through my 20s like even when I was playing professional baseball I'd come back from the off season I'd play golf yeah. like I was so hard off on, on golf so not bad if I put it time into it, I could be decent. Um, but I'm, I've played like four times this year. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, I just want to go to the driving range, hit some balls just to make sure I'm hitting the club base. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just, I just want to make some flush contact. And uh, so I went out to the Jasper driving range, and there was this like 17 year old kid out there who was striping him. Yeah. Like, his swing was really nice like i'm no golf coach but i could see he knew what he was doing and he was hitting the ball well and i asked him i was like hey where do you play at or you know are you on a golf team he's like yeah i play at oakman so Mm. this this kid was a high school senior at oakman he's like yeah i'm the only player on the team yeah (laughs) oh yeah i was about to kind of dive into that for a minute do you know who i'm talking about no I didn't. So yeah, he no. uh, was the only player at Oakman, but apparently he works at Musgrove. And I saw him hit the ball; and it was really good. And we started talking about college golf and how, like, kind of he was talking about JUCO and stuff like that. Um, and I'm sure the scholarships are kind of the same as in baseball. Yeah. Um, there's just not full scholarships for D1. Um, right. If you go JUCO, you can get a full scholarship. So I think that's would be better for him but yeah man ever since i saw him hitting i was like dang god this kid's yeah he's got it figured out 
The last time I was on the driving range, a guy walked up to me. He's like, man, have you ever thought about playing college golf? I was like, I'm 32. <laughs> I was like, I'm 32, and I can't do that anymore. Yeah. I'd be like the rookie with uh, Dennis Quaid at that point. Yeah, I feel like golf is hard to break through, though. That's why you see the same people winning almost every week. Because, I mean, they're the best of the best. Yeah. Golf's a very discrepant sport. Like, you can see the difference in talent levels like i said i thought i was good shooting 69 to 71 and then you got there and get struck by five strokes by somebody else like uh well there's there's also a i feel like there's a confidence level yeah like when you get to the status that tiger woods and justin thomas and these guys when they go off and win a event win a couple and like you just gain that confidence yeah like you know you can win tournaments you can finish tournaments um i didn't i've never really had a good feel for golf tournaments but i do play disc golf yeah (laughs) and started playing disc golf tournaments and it's pretty much the same concept like it's just like golf but it's with a disc yeah and the mental like the mental grind of a golf tournament or a disc golf tournament like I've never really felt anything like it. Yeah. You know, 18 holes of like, you're just out. The mental grind of it is, is taxing after you get done with the round. I used to take the longest naps after a golf tournament <laughs> yeah. just because like you got to stay so focused. Like one shot puts you in the wrong place. The next thing you know, you're playing for a double or a triple at that point. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand. Like people that play golf for fun don't understand it. Like I, I always tell somebody, I was like, competitive golf is a whole different horse. Oh, yeah. So, you know, especially with disc golf, and we'll transition to that. <clears throat> what got you into that? Like, I I can never get into it because I'm more like. Yeah, and I know your brother's into it, right? Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> you probably seen my brother more than I've you've seen, seen me your, in the past I've 15 years. I've seen your brother more in the past 15 years <laughs> yeah. than you on a disc golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what got me into it? So, I was getting. Just wedding, my wedding weekend, five years ago, a guy comes into town who uh, was my wife's, uh, I guess my wife's best friend's husband from college. So he comes in from Texas and he's played disc golf his whole life. Um, And my other buddy, who's like my best friend, Alex Turner, he had just kind of gotten into it. And so he had a bunch of questions for him and my buddy from Texas, Jimmy, he, we took him out to the Eagle's nest out here in Jasper. So right there behind it, Browns. right there behind, no Browns no. is North Jasper. Okay. So North Jasper is like a park course. Oh, you're and, talking about right over here behind us. Yes. Okay. Right here by you. Yeah. Um, the Eagle's nest, that course is awesome. Yeah. It's a great, like it's slept on. <laughs> like it is uh, that little park is very is a hidden gem out here yeah i'll ask a lot of people about where the eagle's nest is or like you know ask them about they're like where is that yeah it's super like i want to go fishing over there so bad i just don't know like i don't want to risk you know how the trees and stuff right there i was like how many lures am i gonna lose at this point i i hate to <laughs> even i hate to even bring this up but apparently it has just been stocked no way. Yeah. So I didn't want to bring it to the public, but 
here it is. Apparently it's been stocked. Um, I don't know with some bass, uh, but it's been stocked lately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the the park behind the uh, Bayou Fresh Seafood. Yeah. Um, you can see berries the back of like Planet Fitness and all that. You at, can if you're paying attention. Yeah. Um, and I'm a huge fan of some Bayou Fresh Seafood. Yes. Um, Slept on. It's the the sushi there is top notch. Everybody talks about rock and roll sushi because it's downtown, but most people understand. No, if you're from Jasper, yeah, you know where the good sushi's at. Yeah, it's I've when I go in, I spend too much money. Like the amount of sushi that I eat is is comical. <laughs> <laughs> I always had a buddy say, "Yeah, I could eat my weight in sushi." Well, I tried every time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, Bayou Fresh. Uh, yeah, the Eagle's Nest is right there behind it. And um, I think at one point it was supposed to be where a new elementary school was supposed to go or something. Really? Something happened. And, yeah, it became a park. And It's a nice park. Yeah. And that's – so here in Jasper we have two disc golf courses. We got North Jasper Park and um, the Eagle. And North Jasper is like a, a park-style course, so it's kind of wide open, not much to throw. You know, it's just yeah. it's wide open. Yeah. The Eagle is in the woods, and it's – the people who installed it um, did it – I feel like it was probably like 10 years ago is when disc golf kind of took off around here. Yeah. And there's a group of guys who started uh, Grip and Rip. It was it started out as a nonprofit and ran for a while, and they had hosted tournaments and kind of grew disc golf, jumped through the hoops and talked to the right people to get courses installed and got a course at the Eagle installed and that course is a, is is I mean it's an awesome course yeah um, it brings it draws people from out of town to come play it really and it's still not complete like it's probably say like 70% done. Like the guys put it together and they're still natural tee pads. They're not concrete. Um, since they installed it, like 200 trees have fallen. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's different. A lot of trees over here on this side of Jasper. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, but it's a, you know, it's a tech, it's called a technical course and there's lines to hit. And you if you're good, you can hit them. If you're bad, or if you're off that day, you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> you're top the like an actual tee shot, like playing golf. Have I? That's that's my <laughs> go-to move. <laughs> okay, that's how I'd feel playing disc golf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only time I top one is if it's one of those mornings I'm straight up just likely hungover. I get there five minutes before I'm supposed to tee off, and you know, number one at Horse Creek, not gonna hit a driver. Yeah. So three wood is. If I'm going to top a club in my bag, it's my three wood. Yeah. So if I'm out there not stretched, not loose or nothing, I'm going to top it. So that, top it. whatever the equivalent of disc golf is, that's because yeah. Cantley would try. He he brought home his whole bag oh, yeah. one day and I was like, what do you need all those for? And he's like, explain them all to me. He's like, here, throw this one. I was like, yeah, I suck it. I would well, suck at this. That's the thing. That's what got me hooked is because I sucked. And it like, I'd go the, I played in a tournament like very young in my disc golf career. <laughs> yeah. And so there's different classifications. It's kind of like a regular, it's kind of like golf. You got your handicap and 
in disc golf, you have your rating. And if you're rated lower, you're going to play in novice. And then it works up to intermediate or recreational, intermediate, advanced, and open, which is pro. Where you're playing for money. Um, I started out novice and was awful. Like, saw the guys throwing. I'm like, why can't I? Like, yeah. I should be whooping these guys. Like, you know. And uh, so that's what got me hooked. Because I'd never thrown a Frisbee ever. Ever in my entire life. I'd never gotten into Frisbees. Did your center field arm kind of make oh. you feel like you'd be a natural at it? Well, my center field arm is blown up. <laughs> uh, my center field shoulder is has made its final throw. Like You threw lefty too, right? Mm-hmm. I think we're the only two left-handed people that played ever at Summoning Christian. <laughs> Probably so. But... Like my my shoulder's done. Be about forty miles an hour is the most I'm getting out of my arm these days. <laughs> um, and but it's it's a different it's a different it's just different. And it caught my attention. It, I got got hooked on it, trying to learn how to throw a disc, learn yeah. how to make it work. And it it's um, you know it's fun. It was it was a at this point. I can go out and pretty much play scratch disc golf. Yeah. Um, I can shoot under par. Like I'm a, I'm a pretty good disc golfer. Um, I put a lot of time into it. At this point in my life, with two kids, my wife running a business, I don't get to play as much, and so that's why I got into, um, you know, trying to grow the game a little bit around this area continue what the people of grip and rip started yeah um, because the people of grip and rip kind of faded out they kind of hit that point where hey we put our time in now we have families and kids it's time to pass the torch right um, and i saw where it was going um there's no leadership in jasper when it came to disc golf nobody was taking ownership and there's people were asking questions like, hey, and nobody knew who to go to. So this year, I took grip and rip and took a group of people who were very interested in the game in this community and started Jasper Disc Golf. Um, and I wanted to get the help of the city, you know, the leaders of the city, the city council. And they'd already started with the grip and rip people. Um, and so it's, it's been good. We, uh, Jasper Disc Golf is a nonprofit. It's a 5013C. So we had to get an attorney to write all that stuff up, get an accountant to start everything. And we're still in the works of it. Um, so it's, I can't go out and solicit and try to get money for our nonprofit yet. Yeah. It's, it's in the state's hands and we're waiting on them to follow up. Um, and one reason we started the nonprofit is to host tournaments and be able to go out and get donations to put money into our courses into the parks and make them better and and grow grow what we have right now and um so we got a good 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 group of people um the park right now at the eagle the um the city is doing work out there and um you know they're they're making the course better and it's growing. I mean, disc golf in the past, like disc golf boomed 
during COVID. Yeah. Because people weren't able to go out. They weren't able to do stuff. But disc golf kept kept going. I think the uh, the pro tour stopped for a little bit, but they played for the most part through COVID. It was one yeah. of the only sports going at the time, and it got a lot of people's interest. Um, there's a guy named Brody Smith. He was like an ultimate frisbee player who played golf as well and started a YouTube channel and has like millions of followers. And he, since he was like an ultimate frisbee guy, hopped into disc golf. And now I think he helped bring a lot of people in, but it's, I mean, it's a, it's a niche sport. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. I mean, it's uh when you can go out there and hit your lines and make your putts, it's just like golf, but it's with a Frisbee. And it's free. It's free. <laughs> the amount of money I put into it, like the discs are like $20 a piece, but then you can go and you can spend as much money as you want to on it. I've spent a, spent a good bit of money trying to build a bag of like 20 discs. Yeah. That you one's gonna go right, one's gonna go left, one's gonna go straight, one's gonna go this distance. Uh, it took a long time to figure out what was gonna be in my bag, um, and I have, gosh, hundreds of <laughs> discs like that just sit there that I'll never use. But it took me getting <clears throat> them to figure out this is my bag. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 grown and it's caught my attention and playing disc golf has kind of um it's got me to where i'm at right now in yeah. life um i found a passion i'm pretty passionate about disc golf and um playing to play you go play at parks like city parks most of them there's only very few that are privately owned um but for the most part they're in city parks yeah and i'd go to trustful birmingham hoover um and play at all these places, you know, all these parks, and get to see what their park system looks like, and then come back and see what our park system looks like. And that kind of got me really involved in Park and Rec. And that's kind of where I'm at right now, is um, is being, trying to get involved in what happens around Jasper when it comes to up-and-coming stuff. So yeah. I got a three-year-old and a one-year-old who are probably going to play sports. Um, and I want what's <laughs> best for them. Athletics are in your genes. They're in my genes, but who knows if my kids are even – like, there's no telling. Yeah. You know, like, a, there's just no telling. They could not be athletic at all, and I just hope they're smart. I hope yeah. my kids – you know, I just want them to – And if it, not, you just hope they make good choices. Yeah, and then, and then we'll just go play disc <laughs> golf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, or golf or whatever. Um so a lot of the work I'm doing right now is putting a lot of effort into our park system and especially disc golf around here because one day when when it's all said and done, I want my son to kind of look around and be like, hey, you know, my dad did this. Yeah. My dad had a hand in this. Um, he helped generate this. Um, you know, that's that's how I feel like I can leave my stamp here in town yeah is getting some stuff done and so I've, I've i've been a lot of places i've seen a lot of things i feel like a lot of people in this town have kind of stayed here and, and having so i feel like i'm cultured yeah i think i'm you know 
a lot more cultured than some people who just don't get out of town. Yeah. And um, I want to bring that stuff to our town. That's why I think like people like us that have gotten out, we appreciate home a little bit more because now you've we've been to like these bigger metro areas mm-hmm. and you're like, if I did anything here, am I going to be remembered yeah. or like have a legacy in like five years? More than likely not. Yeah. So when you come back to Jasper or Walker County in general, you're like, if I do this and work my tail off at it, people are going to be like, you know, Trent Mummy did this or Drake Pittman did this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not for my namesake. It's for just the legacy of showing that I cared about where I was from. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I care about Jasper. Um, like I, that's what's for the past, uh, two years i feel like i've been trying to just develop relationships yeah just so i can you know have a say so and stuff that's going to get done in the future um like you know when stuff gets done i I hope i want people to call me and be like hey i'd like to have a little bit of input on this yeah um so that's and and it takes time it takes time to meet the right people and and do the right things and um you know, recently Jasper Disc Golf hosted uh, the Downtown Throwdown. Yeah. And that was kind of Jasper Disc Golf's first tournament as a the new non, new name and everything. Yeah. And um, I say it had been held several times before. Five, I believe, five years before, yeah. which is um, which is unbelievable. <laughs> that tournament is is tough um, to set up. There, so the Downtown Throwdown. There's only one other tournament like it in the southeast, and I think it's in South Carolina. Yeah. And it's where we block off streets in downtown and, and basically put two 18-hole courses in downtown. And our goal is to just bring people to our city. And they'll play on Friday. They'll play North Jasper course. On Saturday, they'll play the downtown throwdown. And on Sunday, there's a it's called a B-tier and we put some added cash in it for the pro players to come play. And it was a good event. I mean, we had a lot of people come to our city just to play disc golf. And uh, all the towns around here, I mean, there's there's tournaments that get put on, but <clears throat> for Jasper, <clears throat> for such a small town, for us to put that together is, is pretty cool. Yeah. All the people that are, you know, get, get behind it. And um, But putting two... Two courses downtown is, is challenging in one night. Um, yeah. We had to go get a parade permit. And luckily, uh, one of the guys, Jake Aaron, he's the vice president of Jasper Disc Golf. He works at the Daily Mountain Eagle, and he knows uh, he knows a lot of people. Um, he's he's met a lot of people through the through that. And um, so he, he's kind of the brains behind the downtown throwdown and, and doing it, but I helped out by getting it going again, and because we we didn't do it the COVID year, yeah, and just wasn't able to put it together. Oh, twenty twenty is just non-existent at yeah. this point. <laughs> it's, it's truly, it's just it's a wash. If it wasn't for the podcast, <laughs> it would be a total wash. For yeah, twenty twenty was a wash, and um, so we had the downtown throwdown this year. One hundred forty four people signed up in a day. It's a big deal. It's it filled up. I'll and, sponsor uh, a hole next time. You know, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. 
we'd love to get more sponsorships and that's part of starting a nonprofit is to be able to get those sponsorships yeah. and um and do more around town we're just we're kind of in limbo on that right now and um so we put it together i know there was uh there was a big stink about the downtown throwdown this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We usually don't talk about controversy, but you know, it's it's okay to talk about sometimes to address things. Yeah. And it, if it wasn't for social media, you probably wouldn't have had a big stink. So, man, I'm, you know, a lot of my, I feel like my livelihood and my, and everything kind of, it's revolves around social media. Yeah. I hate social media. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's I think it's one of the things that causes all the problems in the world today is it gives everybody an, an opinion that doesn't really need to have an opinion. If I could afford the electronic billboard to run my podcast stuff constantly, I wouldn't have social media. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, yeah, like that's you know I'm pretty much managed, or I don't manage one of them, but I manage uh, Mommy Builders through social media, uh, marketing, and it's, it's a big deal for small businesses yeah. to have social media. That's how you do it these days. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm have a marketing major. Um, that's what my, that's what my schooling is. And, um, so I went to classes on, on every, you know, social media marketing and it's just the way the world is these days. If you're not doing social media, you're getting left behind. Yep. And, but I don't like it. Um, I live on it. My wife probably would not want me on my phone as much as I am, but um, a lot of the stuff I'm looking at is 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 just keeping up to date and staying with trends and um, just using social social media as a marketing tool. Yep. And it's it's a great thing to do. Um, I'm very blessed. I feel like a lot of the stuff I've done, I've was able to catch early. And it's helped our businesses out in in ways that if I didn't stay on top of it, we'd be left behind. Yeah. Like Shane and I's pod, the this podcast would not be where it is right now if it wasn't for us making just stupid TikToks. Yeah. Because people are like, oh, these guys are funny or whatever. And like our numbers went up when we launched a TikTok. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I didn't expect it. I was like, this is just having fun with my best friend while he's here after hours. So you just got to understand like, and social media changes from month to month. Something's popular and then all of a sudden it's not. Yeah. So. And that's like when, uh, when Facebook went down a few weeks ago, um, when Facebook and Twitter went down, I don't, I don't do Twitter. I don't, I don't do TikTok for my businesses. I do Facebook. Um, uh, construction TikTok would be fire. <laughs> just telling you, <laughs> would it? Yeah, I'm just I'm not good behind the camera. Yeah, like I may could be, but that's just not my personality to like try to. I just you know I'd rather be behind the scenes doing stuff. I'm not. I don't like to. If you ever? Need I don't a, like to do selfie stuff. If you ever need a guy, I know a guy. Okay, and he's sitting right across. The room. <laughs> um. But that's just yeah. I don't do TikTok. Uh, Facebook's it mm-hmm. pretty much. You know, it's like that's where most of our engagements, as far as like episode drops, yeah, comes from. Yeah, I mean, and the same thing with me being on here. I'm 
I'm sure like I'll post and and share hey I'm yeah. I'm on here so like you're contractually obligated to share your post absolutely <laughs> you know and um so it's definitely a good thing for for trying to grow um, a small business and learning how to use it the right way and but at the same time there's definitely negatives from it yeah you, know, you get you get negative feedback like the thing that happened with the downtown, downtown throwdown. throwdown yeah um yeah. and the downtown throwdown and jasper disc golf is like it's a we're trying to do good for the city mm-hmm. we're trying to bring people in from out of town and do positive we are trying to promote the city. We're trying to promote disc golf. We're trying to promote, we're trying to have people, you know, come in and stay the weekend and spend money and do good for the city. Yeah. And so the one conflict with the downtown throwdown was we put a disc golf hole through a cemetery, (laughs) (laughs) which is looking back at it is a bad idea. Um, but you know, as out of thirty six holes, it was one hole, and a picture of it got posted on social media. Then and one it got, picture, one picture, and it got taken down. But before it could get taken down, it got shared. Yeah. Um. So I knew it was a big deal when our group chat texted me, "Hey, did you see this?" And I clicked on it and read the comments. I'm like, "Man, this is this this is not good." Yeah. Um. But being in a situation where I've been to school, like one of my favorite classes was service marketing. And it basically is like a service industry. How are you going to overcome negative stuff? Like what's your plan of action? Um, And thankfully I'd have those classes. Um, I've had enough bad stuff happen in my life that like one little thing is not going to, it's not going like, to affect you. me. It's not yeah. going to wreck me. Yeah, it definitely sat on me, sat on my conscience for a few days. Um, but I let it play out, and then at the end of it, I apologized. Um, just because I realized that it <clears throat> it hurt some people's feelings, and people weren't comfortable with it, and just owning up to it. Yeah. I, I owned up to it, and... I think we can move on from it. Um, the one thing that bothered me is like, you know, we had been friends on Facebook and knowing who you married and stuff, like your character reflects in the people you are with. And so when you posted the apology and no free ads, but one of the pages shared it or whatever, and people were commenting, I was like, okay, I haven't seen this cat in like 15 ish years, but I know that's not the character. The, yeah. Like that wasn't, he didn't say it'd be funny to put a, yeah. put a hole in a cemetery. Yeah. That, that and these people just comment. I was like, yeah. first off the troll that Shane has transformed me into. I could, I was like, I could be a smart aleck yeah. really bad if I wanted to be. Yeah. But I looked at the age of most of the people that were saying the negative things and I'm like, hmm, no, <laughs> it's not worth the time. Yeah, I know it. I mean, it, it, it would, it didn't cut me too deep, but at the same time it just, it really makes you pay attention a lot more. Yeah. It made me pay attention to what I do and realize that you can do stuff that has a negative effect on people, regardless of if you don't 
think it is. Yeah. Like that was not my intention to hurt anybody's feelings. Wasn't my intention to cause a problem, but it happened. And I will say that there will never be another disc golf hole <laughs> in a cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, that's part of like running the, th- the things though. And even with this is like, you kind of got to learn as you go because it's real easy to cross the line without knowing where the line's at and mm-hmm. because everybody views life differently. Yeah. And when they come at you with this, these negative comments, you do take a step back and reevaluate things. But at the same time, you're sitting there like, you know what? I just got, I'll learn from it. Yeah. That's all you can do is, I mean, I'm, that's what I've told many people is like, I'm one of the best at learning from making a mistake. Yeah. You know, in baseball, you make a mistake you don't like if you keep making that same mistake it's not gonna it's not gonna work yeah like that's what baseball taught me is you make a mistake you learn from it and you don't do it again um and that's kind of how i am in life is make that mistake don't do it again learn from it and um same thing with my wife's business um my wife, she is a co-owner of Smith Lake Family Care and Urgent Care. Mm-hmm. and Now she's got to come on the podcast since you've been here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, yeah, she's an awesome lady. She uh, is mother of two, a three-year-old and one-year-old. Our, our lives these past two years have been so wild. Yeah. Because we started, we started that Smith Lake Family Care and Urgent Care, like, and you know when you're starting a business it's it's a you're you're really taking <clears throat> you're taking a risk yeah and we we took a risk and we just banked on the the fact that she was passionate on what she was doing and there was a need for it in the area that it's at and it's doing well yeah. um but she still had like she wears her heart on her sleeve and she's had times where like she goes to work and she's 100% about everybody's health care. Like yeah. that's, she cares about everybody. She's, she's not in there just like messing around. Like she, she's good at what she does. And she has somebody leave some negative feedback that had nothing to do with anything. And it really hurt her. And it's like, that's social media for you though. You're like, people are going to say stuff. Um, and you just got to take it with a grain of salt, yeah. learn how to learn how to get, just make a positive out of it. Everybody's big and tough on social media, <clears throat> especially with like <laughs> negative reviews. And sometimes you do sit there and like, what did I, unless you like sit there and really, really dig on it. The first question that pops in your head is what did I do wrong? Yeah. So, and it's hard. I mean, in this age that we're growing up in, and it's easy to learn from our mistakes now, though. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in previous generations, you could have a falling out with somebody over something, you know, they said about your business or whatever, and they'll tell the whole town, and all of a sudden your business falls apart. But now with social media, it's easy to stand up for the people that you know that are trying to do good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, then 
um, just talk, you know, things could, we're very blessed. Yeah. I think, I know I'm blessed and my family's blessed and, um, you know, just learning from things and, and, and doing better. Um, yeah. but you know, recently, I guess what's kind of striking, been striking home to me is like the Henry Ruggs thing. Yeah. Seeing him go through that and like seeing the, the Derek Carr comments and man, things could be so much worse. Um, yeah. like he's in a bad spot right now. Yeah. Um, it's sad. That whole situation is sad. You know, the people involved who got killed and, um, just seeing him go through that, it's like, man, that guy woke up and was in a bad situation. Yeah. Seeing his life being a professional athlete and having everything at the you know, palm of his hand, like he worked so hard to get to this spot and now it's taken away from him. Um, it's hard to live life in the spotlight. Yeah, it truly is. I just, I hate that for him. I hate that for everybody. Um, and, I'm glad I'm not in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, like everything that happened with you on the social media and was just small town politics pretty much. Yeah. I just, I didn't like how people were, people on that comment chain were bringing up people's names that weren't directly involved. Right. They're putting it on the mayor, putting it on other people. And it's like, you know, y'all don't really know what y'all are talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's so much work that goes involved in getting this thing started. Like this wasn't just a like overnight, thing. overnight thing. Like it, this was a year, like a year process of getting this tournament going, meeting with the city council. I sat in front of the city council. I sat in front of the mayor. I talked to all the people that needed to be talked to. And this one thing happens and you're going to come in here and say the things you're saying. And, and just, yeah, I just, I'm not a fan of negative comments right. on, on social media. Um, and they're going to happen no matter what you do. It's just when you know, when you know your character of yourself, you're not going to let somebody else's opinion that doesn't even know you kind of affect you. Mm -hmm. And when you do something the way you do on the scale of that, you're kind of like, you don't you don't know my day to day life. It's 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 easy from a picture for you to think this is what I'm like on a daily basis, but at the same time, show me a perfect person. Yeah, true. I mean, there's there's no perfect people out there. No, and that's I, I've just said I've said it from day one that social media has it's just the root of all evil in yeah. my opinion yeah just because everybody has something negative to say mm -hmm. um people control people can it's just you know, there's always going to be something negative yeah. to say um and that's kind of like the news in my opinion is no, i don't even watch it <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna hear what you're gonna hear what you want to hear yeah you're gonna tune out the things you want to tune out um it's like politics with you're either you know, pro Trump, pro Biden, or this, that, and the other. And if, like, I I noticed it after the election, like I followed Fox News on Instagram. While Trump was in office, 
Fox News would just post stuff like bashing Trump, bashing Trump, bashing Trump. And now Biden's in office and they just bash Biden. I'm like, what? Like, there yeah. is no... You don't give these people a chance. Yeah, y'all are bashing every... Y'all are just bashers. Like, y'all are haters. Social media looks for the perfect person. <laughs> really. In, in every aspect. Yeah. So, I'm... You know... I, I use social media for, for business aspects. Um, yeah. And I think it's great for family to keep in touch and it's good for friends and all that stuff. But it comes with, uh, it, it definitely comes with some negative side. Um, and, but that's, uh, you know, it's, it's wild that disc golf has even brought me to, to this. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's an cool. innocent free game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not like you're hosting like a underground casino in downtown Jasper <laughs> yeah, on Sunday nights. But overall it's it's good. I mean, I'm I'm glad I found the game. Yeah. It's uh it's 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 got me going in life lately. Um when I so I finished uh you know, when I finished coaching college baseball and got my degree I moved moved back to Jasper, bought a house in Baldo, um, got married, started having a family, and um, when I first got back, I was doing baseball hitting lessons that full time, and just got to the point where I wasn't, I was ready to get out of it. Yeah. Um, and that's when I started working with Mommy Builders. Um, so that was about three years ago and, uh, I'd say four years ago and mommy builders has been going since I was little. Yeah. Like, that's all I know of. Like my dad's been grinding it out for, since for 30 years. Like, he's been a residential contractor and built houses. And, um, so my family's never been super wealthy. We've always been middle class. Um, I've seen my parents struggle. I've seen the family business. Like it's just that's just how it's been. Um, when '08 hit, when um, the housing market took a hit, I was part of. You know, I saw my family go through that. Um, and you know, right now the housing market is is good um it goes through cycles um and we're fortunate to be in the situation we're at i remember four years ago when we first started or when i first started with my dad we were uh doing small jobs small remodel jobs and just kind of figuring out which direction things wanted to go and um so luckily we were able to move our business out to smith lake and start building houses on smith lake and that's been um it's been big for us um we've done a lot of we're currently building some nice houses out on smith lake and um so things have been good um and i feel like at the time we didn't mommy builders didn't have social media didn't have anything because i remember my mom like we should advertise in the in the newspaper. Yeah, <laughs> like no, it's they, called like, the Mountain Eagle. Yeah, I mean nothing against that and everything, uh, but there's just better ways to do it. And I yeah. know the the Daily Mountain Eagle at this point is doing a lot of stuff when it comes to businesses and yeah. 
social media marketing and all that stuff. Um, so, but at the time, a couple of years ago, it was like, oh, where should we advertise in the paper? No, oh, we can we can do something better. My buddy James Phillips was the game changer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So you know James well? Yeah, he's been on the pod twice now. Has he really? Yeah. Cool. I love James. Yeah. Class, class guy. Really? Yeah. Cool. I know he's, uh, uh, he's actually kind of part of my family. Really? Yeah. Um, his brother, Haven Phillips, Mm -hmm. is my wife's, um, part of, I feel like going back knowing your wife and his sister. I don't usually use many government names outside of people that's already been talked about. But yeah. yeah. Like, I know their connection is somewhere, somewhere along the way. Yeah, so James is, he's not immediate family. He, like, but, yeah, he's he's kind of, I, I know James a little bit. Yeah. And um, the Phillips family. He's one of my favorite people in Walker County. <laughs> is he? Yeah. Um, I know he does a lot with uh, WWE. Yeah, <laughs> they, they've got their own wrestling promotion here in uh, Jasper. That's awesome. Yeah, every every Saturday they have something. I have something because I keep telling them like, "Yeah, I'll come," and then it's like, "Hey, we've got this." Because our Saturdays with doing this and working the schedule, I do our Saturdays for a day, no matter what it is. Yeah, it never fails. Yeah, I don't get a lazy Saturday. <laughs> yeah, always always doing something, huh? So what got like what got your dad to ask you to like hey you want to come work with me? I guess he could probably see that I was just ready to be done with um with baseball. Yeah. And he asked me to come come help help him. And so I started out first 3 years I was um I was doing manual labor. I was building house like i had a tool belt nail gun cutting like i can cut some pretty good wood i can you know i'm i can that's a big side hustle these days yeah um (laughs) my wife's got me side hustling at the house (laughs) so i'm you know it's so did that for a while but we were able to build our company up to where um we're able to build numerous houses and build nice houses. Yeah. So we have all the right people in line when it comes to, you know, concrete, block, brick, sheetrock, framing. We have all the the crews needed on standby to where, hey, this is, we need you here. All right. They're going to be there. And, um, but it took, I mean, when we first started out, it was just <clears throat> mummy builder screw. Yeah. And we were out doing one job, but, um, it's, it's grown to where we have multiple subcontractors working for us whenever we need something yeah. done. So you have multiple projects going on oh, yeah. at one time. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, there's so much work out there right now that it's it's you can't get to it all. Um, so it's like, oh, what, you know, is any of this stuff because of that? But it, yeah, you know, luckily I got involved and started helping grow the business before the let's say things got to where they are right now. Yeah, you know, if I'd have hopped in right now, we wouldn't be where we're at right now. Right. So. That goes back to 
I think I think it takes three years to get what you're trying to get right. And I, I take that perspective from the sports side of things. Um, like if you're a college coach and you come into a new program, it, I feel like it takes three years to develop what you're wanting to develop. And if you don't have it in three years, then it's it's not it. Yeah. Um, so. I've always believed things can come in threes too. Really? Like, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's... <clears throat> It's always been a thing. Like my dad kind of believed that way, mm-hmm. and then I did too. It's just like if it's good or bad. If one happens, two more is probably <laughs> going to follow. Yeah, you know. And it's weird how we bring up our tendencies from our parents. Oh yeah. Like we develop ourselves into our own people, but you see those things that they've kind of weaned into you. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's one one reason I'm. I'm such a family man now. Yeah. Like I'm very fortunate to get to spend as much time with my kids as I do. And I think that's so important is spending time and like talking to my kids and teaching them and, and letting them understand if like, Hey, there's something wrong or if you do something wrong, like talk to me about it. Yeah. And, um, I want my kids to always be able to talk to me. Like if they're embarrassed, um, I want to be their best friend. Yeah. And I think that's like so important as a parent, as a dad, as a mom is to be able to have that to bounce off of them. Um, you know, that maybe I think all kids need that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's super important to have, a father figure, a mother figure to be able to, to go to, to ask serious questions. Yeah. And, um, instead of having, you know, you got your best friends. A lot of times you can, um, say something happens. You'll talk to your best friend probably first over anybody. But like I tell my son all the time, I'm your best friend. Yeah. Like I want him to, like, I want to be his best friend. So tell me what's wrong. Cause I've made so many mistakes in my life that I'm sure I can hopefully guide you in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yeah. Let me tell you about it. Let me, let me help you out here. This is, I've, I've probably screwed that one up. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, I remember your dad was like coaching basketball when we played together and baseball and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So my dad is a special person. Yeah. He's, um, you don't realize it till you get older. Yeah, you know, and you you don't realize like what all like I didn't realize like what all he had done for me, and you know he's he's been uh, he's he's awesome. Yeah, looking back at it, um, so it's fun working with him. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> We've uh, you know, we butted we butt heads. Yeah, on the job site, um, and I think it was me kind of seeing like wanting to take things in a different direction and um he'd been doing things for so long his his way and yeah. um but everything's worked out um i think we have a good good relationship now and um but for for a while there we we butted heads a little bit that's a generational thing just understanding how the world works now 
you know, it's changed so much in 10, 15 years. Absolutely. And I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when my son's 20 years old and I'm 50 something. And <laughs> yeah, like it's so tough to stay on top of how much technology's changing. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I get it, but hopefully we can stay up up to date on yeah. the, on things. So what got last question? We'll kind of close it out. What kind of got y'all geared towards working primarily at Smith Lake? Uh, it's people who build on Smith Lake. It's normally their second house, and um, we can if it's the amount of income that people have that are building on Smith Lake, it's a good market to build for. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where, that's what took me there is I saw people building million dollar houses and, um, yeah, you, I mean, every client is different. Some people like to micromanage and have a safe, like be on top of you and this, that, and the other, but some people are, you know, different and every client's different. But, um, um, the houses we're building now are what I had in mind when I first started. Um, I wanted I want to build houses for um, people with architects and designers, and because it's it gets tough when we're building and we're having to try to like help design. Yeah. Um, when we can go in and have um, an architect draw out a specific set of plans, and this is how everything's going to be, it it cuts down on time that we have to try to figure stuff out. Right. Um, so that's where we're getting into starting to build houses with architects and designers. And it, it's just, um, it's nice to be able to build and we're always managing, um, being a, being a, uh, general contractor like that's something we we deal with like the amount of people that comes to one of our job sites is is crazy like there's probably over 30 something different people at one of our houses like whether it's a concrete crew coming in or a um, excavating crew coming in or um, sheetrock or electrical plumbing roofing it's just you're managing a lot of different people and um there's always going to be some mishaps and it's just trying to figure out how to, nothing's going to be perfect. Um, but we're trying to make a perfect product. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's tough. It's, it's really tough to make a perfect product when you got that many people right. with, you know, a lot um, of micromanagement goes into that. Absolutely. And I mean, it can be a headache. It can It's just a super headache because a lot of times you're going in behind people and, and picking out what they need to fix right? Um, until the final product is done. And then it's, you know, how you want it. But you're, I mean, you got to stay on top of people. Um, and that's part of our, part of, part of my job and part of, part of my dad's job is staying on top of people and making sure they're doing, doing what they're supposed to do. And, um, Does your brother have anything to do with it? He started, he, he does in the wintertime. Um, and he, st- he started out doing it, but now he does, uh, he cuts yards full time. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> right now he's a one man wrecking crew. Um, he's turned 
37 uh, a few days ago and he does that full time and um, he's got he's got a lot of clients and he just he does that a lot of people act like there's like nothing to excel at in the world today when in reality you just look around you'll find something oh, absolutely yeah i mean he he does um we used to give him hell when we were at your house oh, as really? a kid i remember that <laughs> so much cuz he was the older cooler guy man he we have a good relationship now but when i was like from elementary school through high school he was always four years older than me. Yeah. So he was a lot. He was too cool. And then uh, once we got older, I mean, we have my brother's an awesome yeah. guy. Like, don't know anybody who he has a uh, beef with. He's a super chill guy. And, um, I always tell everybody I got close to my brother when we stopped sharing the bedroom. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, me and my brother are really close. We've uh, we've been through a lot together, and so. Definitely uh, glad to have him in my life. Yeah. <clears throat> is there uh, is there anything you want to plug? Like what you got going on or anything? Uh, I mean, I think we, you know, talked about my wife's business, Smith Lake Family Care. Um, One thing I hold against them is that COVID test. That thing sucks. <laughs> it does suck. It's uh, I've I've had I've had one. Um, and it's it's a wild time we live in for sure, and um, they had doing that, mommy builders, uh, Jasper disc golf, talked about baseball. <clears throat> yeah, there's, there's, I'm into, I'm into everything. Yeah, um, I like to hunt, I like to, uh, I like to golf, I like to fish, I like to, I feel like I, I've just been in it all. Um, you ever take your fishing rods when you're on a build? No, I, I'm not that deep into it. Um, oh, shoot, I would be. <laughs> like, my lunch break, I'm going to go munch on a sandwich and fish. Yeah, I mean, I grew up on a pond. Uh, my parents had a pond at their house, and I have a pond in my house. So, I like to fish, um, but I've never never got deep in it to where I bought a bass boat or anything yeah. like that. Um, just, I can't have too many hobbies at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like, I got to yeah. pick one and, and go with it. Um it's like I haven't even I like to hunt, but this year I haven't even shot my bow. Yeah. So I'm just gonna take it I'm probably gonna take the year off from hunting. Um, when you get other people to take care of till you look towards the cheaper slash free ones yeah. to do. Oh yeah. It's like I can go walk a fishing bank. Well that's what's so good about disc golf is it takes two hours to play. Yeah. It's free. You know, golf takes four hours and it's like a whole day unless it's saturday horse creek it's yeah like six yeah it's, it's a whole day event <laughs> yeah. you go play golf it's a whole like you just chalk up that day yep and um so with this golf it's it's two hours it's free to play and and that's another thing that that really got me into it yeah you live a busy life we do yeah i mean definitely uh and it's right now it's busy but it's gonna get busier yeah. as the kids get older and start going doing sports stuff and but um i look forward to that if so, your kid ever plays soccer and you happen to coach just call me i'm gonna help you <laughs> i'm gonna need some help you'll have the most formidable tactically straight team ever yeah i mean um speaking of uh, soccer i got some friends from dallas texas who i met through um the guy who started disc golf 
who got me into disc golf. He's from Austin, Texas. And um, the guys from Dallas, one of them played at Dallas, um, University of Dallas, and uh, which is a small school, but he is like in the Hall of Fame as like has like the most scores. Like he, really? he was a, yeah, he was a baller at soccer. Sweet. Yeah, so I talk I ask him about soccer all the time. Yeah. So I'm a big soccer guy. <laughs> like if you go back and listen to Jim Odom's episode, yeah. the first 30 minutes of that episode we were talking about soccer. Oh yeah. Just cuz Jim's a man Manchester United guy. So you are both man U? Yeah. Who who's man U's big player now? Ronaldo. Ronaldo, yeah, Ronaldo's back at Manchester United. Okay, so that's I'm, I'm not in it that hard. I need to go get some. Was it FIFA 21 or FIFA 22? 22? Now. 22. That would, uh, yeah, I need to get FIFA 22. That way I can figure out. Like, all those guys are bouncing around. Yeah, you know, like it's it's more of a money game now, is it? Yeah, it's like the loyalty days where you would probably get a good contract after yours was about to expire or gone. Now yeah. it's Guys are just looking for a money move. Yeah, I mean that's life. Where is uh who who are the best players right now? Ronaldo, Messi. Uh, there's a uh, kid from Norway, names Erling Holland. He's like twenty. He's a baller. Is he a striker? Yeah. So I feel yeah. like that's what everybody. He like scored like him. nine goals in one game. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. And then you got Mbappe and Neymar. They're all at PSG. Yeah. So, is Neymar pretty good? Yeah. Is he? He didn't live up to his potential, but he's still pretty good. Yeah. <clears throat> there's a lot of good soccer players. It's There's a lot of parody in the game now. Is there any Americans over in, in the, Europe? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm blanking on his first name. His last name's McKinney. My buddy Colby, he's a big Italian league guy. Yeah. And he plays for uh, Juventus. They're like the – one of the bigger Italian clubs, mm-hmm. he plays over there. Is that the yellow and black team? No, that's the white and black. You've yeah, they're white and black. White and black. With Jeep. Yeah. They're sponsored by Jeep. Yeah. Yeah. He plays for them. Um, Kristen Pulisic. He's he's one of the, the America's best players, USMNT's best players. He plays at Chelsea in England. So he's, and he's that's, really good. That's like, I mean – if you're an American, you can go over there and play. Yeah. That means something. That means you're really good. Yeah. How did uh, the so Zlatan, 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 Ibra, yeah. Zlatan Ibra. Ibra, Ibrahimovic? Ibra, Ibrahimovic. There we go. Yeah. I got a little bit of it, you know? He's still a baller. Yeah. But he, he came like, to – He's almost 40. Is he still in the States playing? No. Uh, he's back at AC Milan. Yeah. In Italy. I just remember his header from – FIFA was yeah amazing. <laughs> he's still he's still that guy. Yeah. He's getting older, so he doesn't play as much. But yeah, didn't he come over to America and like hit one from like uh, the, the, past the halfway line? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's when he was playing for LA Galaxy. <laughs> just stunt on everybody. He and he he left, and he said it was just it was like too easy yeah. over here. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're one of the best to ever do it. I play or there's a guy from I think he played at Oak Mountain. Or Spain Park, um, Chandela. Um, he played in L- for LA for a little bit, and then he came to Birmingham and played for yeah. a little bit. Um, but I trained when I was playing baseball. I trained over at Godspeed, which is in Pelham, and uh, I drive out there and, and work out. And 
he was doing his workouts there and thought it was pretty cool to see a professional soccer player yeah. out there training. They're a different kind of athlete. Oh, yeah. Like, they have to run and run and run. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, soccer's boring. When you understand it, it's more fun to watch. Yeah, it's, it's not boring. I'll watch no. it. I, I'll have I'll have it on TV, but I, I won't pay yeah. attention to it. But it'll be on TV. Like with uh, like with baseball. Like I'll watch the first couple of months, mm-hmm. and through the summer, I'll kind of teeter off. And when it gets close to the playoff race, I'll start watching again. Man, 162 games is. It's hard to be that dedicated. Well, that's what people talk about. Why do they play so many games? Well. They got to play that many for revenue. Yeah. That's why baseball players get paid the most out of any, you know, other profession. Yeah. Is because they play 162 games. Like, there's, they're bringing in people 162 times a year. Yeah. So they're making a lot of money. Um, and when I was playing baseball, professional baseball, I never knew what day it was. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. It was. Only time I knew what day it was was like when we'd have a like a kids game or like a Sunday game. Sunday games were normally like day games. Um, then some days we'd have like a a day game where it's middle of the week and it was like a SpongeBob day, <laughs> and like all the kids from the elementary schools would come and it'd just be like SpongeBob all throughout the game. Yeah, <laughs> gotta wear those. Different uniforms. Where are the different uniforms? Yeah, um, I did a my first year playing. We did a breast cancer uh, game. We had pink uniforms, and I hit a walk off grand slam that game. <laughs> and uh, it's on YouTube. If you want to go on YouTube and, and look up Trent Mummy Grand Slam, you can see it. Um, it's on just a old. Video, a phone video. Yeah. It's not very good. The iPhone uh, two, yeah, probably was, at that time. It was we were awful. That age. Yeah, but um, so they auctioned off those jerseys after the game, and looking back, I wish I'd have bought that jersey. Yeah. Um. So somebody's probably got that jersey <laughs> stashed away, like in a box somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah, it'd be cool to have that one. You know, I'd say, this, you know, there was a lot of things I did in baseball. Um. But there's like two things that I didn't do. I never hit for the cycle, and I never robbed a home run. But other than that, like I've I stole home, um, did that like a straight steal of home in the minor leagues. Yeah. Um, I, f- I feel like I've done most of the stuff that can be done on a baseball field. But there's yeah. two things: hitting for a cycle. I never you made ESPN top ten one time. Uh, maybe, I, think, I maybe. think you made a diving catch or something. You may have been in the SEC tournament. No, that wasn't me. I've never been on – I've made catches that should have been on top ten. I feel like you – okay, you may have made just highlights I or may something. have, like, been backing the guy up. <laughs> I know what catch – I think I know what catch you're talking about, but, yeah. Um, I've shoot, I made a lot of good catches that I wish were on video. Yeah. Um, one of them was against Tennessee – in college, it was like the best catch I ever made, and that was when Rob Ramblett and um, he was doing the announcing. And the for a while there, it was like on Twitter, like the video clip with Rob. Like that might have been what I seen. I don't. It was against <laughs> it was against Tennessee, and I had like an unconscious weekend. Like 
I hit a slash home run that weekend. Like I, I showed bunt and pulled it back and hit a home run. Yeah. Like that's just, that was stupid. Like I, I did the Michael Jordan, like hold your hands up. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Ground in third base. Um, those are good memories to hold but, on to. Oh yeah. Those are good ones. I mean, people ask me all the time, like, I just feel like people talk about their high school baseball games. Like I don't, rem- I played so many games, I don't remember much. Yeah. Like they all kind of, like it takes people kind of like jarring my memory to like go back and yeah. talk about them. As many games as you played after high school, I don't blame you. Gosh, it's played a like a lot of baseball. I mean, not not including like the spring training games. Um, I got called up to, I played probably like 20 major league spring training games. Yeah. So that was when Buck Showalter was the manager. Um, uh, Vladimir Guerrero was on the Orioles at the time. (laughs) Yeah. So like I got called up to these big league spring training games from the minor league camp. So there's two separate, there's a big league camp and a minor league camp and they're two different spots. And so it's kind of a, Big deal to get the call up. Yeah. You know, you're going to ride the bus with the big league guys and sit in the locker room, sit on the bench with them and wait till the seventh inning to go give it your shot. And yeah. um, so that was, that was fun. Um, I met, got to hang, like sit beside Vladimir Guerrero on the bench. I got to watch, uh, got to watch some uh, Justin Verlander pitch um, from the dugout. I got to see Derek Jeter play from the dugout, Alex Rodriguez. So I got to play play against the Yankees in Tampa. Um, so I saw all these guys I grew up playing against. Um, and, man, the the nerve, like, you, like, the nerves going into those games are <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty wild. Like, I was a little too amped up. My God, let me make it a third base. So I just stand with A-Rod for just a minute. Yeah, I mean, it was like, I'd go to the plate and I feel like I would make these guys out to like they're throwing 120 miles an hour. Yeah. And when they're like, this is bait, like, just chill out, relax. Yeah. And I'm like, get in the box, like, do your job. Foul, fouling balls off into the first base dugout because I'm like so amped up. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I got a fastball, boom. No, that's, no, that's foul. But that's a that's a story not many people from here get to tell. Yeah, I mean, I hit a I hit a home run against the Twins in the big leagues, in yeah. the big league spring training. So, um, I had a Louisville Slugger contract. So that was like one of my big deals. Was yeah. like, it was cool to get a contract, um, especially Louisville Slugger. Um, there's a lot of bat companies out there that are good, probably might be better than Louisville Slugger, but, um, you know, it's just a... That's one everybody that's, knows. Yeah, that's what Babe, Babe Ruth swung Louisville Slugger. Yeah. So it was cool. I got my name on my bat and all that stuff. And uh, But where I'm going with this is, so I, don't know, I might have picked, I picked out a bat that was a Rawlings bat. Like, they have free bats that you can get in spring training, or just all throughout the year. Like, Rawlings, we called them Driftwood. Because the wood, like you get five hundred bats and you'd try to pick through them and find one with like that felt good, looked good, and I picked out this Rawlings bat that 
I was hitting with it in BP and wasn't supposed to because I had a Louisville contract. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, I got called up to a big league spring training game and I was hitting BP good with that bat. I carried it to the plate. And the only big league spring training home run I have is with that Rawlings bat. <laughs> oh man! So it's not even a Louisville slugger bat. It's a yeah. driftwood, like pro stock, is what they're called. Um, Rawlings bat, and that's a that's a pretty good little story. That yeah, um, I still got it. As soon as I hit the home run, I hung it up. Never use it again. Yeah. Um, so I've I've got tons of bats and sitting around the house. So that's good stuff to pass down to the kids one day too. Uh, one day, you know, like when they're mature enough, when they're mature enough. And, um, like I said, I don't even, I don't even know if my kid will be into baseball. Yeah. Um, I'm just, we'll see. Yeah. Um, that's life. That's yeah. We'll, we'll see. But you, yeah, you've had a great life as far as baseball and you know, your career goes, <laughs> We go way back. Um, you know, hopefully now we'll go play golf a couple of times. Now. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd when it warms to. up now. Yeah, we'll go play some golf. Um, definitely stay in touch. And bladed bladed four iron off of and in cold weather right, right now, it does not feel good. No, no, I don't want to hit any stingers. Yeah, <laughs> unintentional stingers. Intentional stingers are okay. They're, yeah. they're, they're visually pleasing. We're talking about the stingers that sting your hands, not yeah. the ball. <laughs> when I start playing blades... When I was younger, and uh, I don't know if you ever played at River Bend. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, you know number two, like the long par three right there. Yeah. Bladed like a four or five iron. It's like thirty five degrees outside, and I felt it all the way up to my jaws. Mm-hmm. I was like, make sure we don't do that today. Yeah. But I got I got into uh, when I was into golf pretty hard. I bought a pair of Mizuno blades, thinking I can hit some blades. You're never ready for them. Ah, it was uh. Staring down and looking at a three iron uh, blade is a butter knife. Yeah, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. So now, and I don't play with blades. I play with uh, some. I'm a Mizuno guy. Yep, me I, too. I like Mizuno irons. Um, got some. I think they're MP twenty eight or something in there. Yeah, they're pretty solid, solid irons. Um, I got my I got my golf bag built. Yeah, I got I. Put a lot of time in building it, got it where it needs to be, and then I got into disc golf. Dude, what's crazy is I got fitted for the first time ever for a driver two years ago. Like, up until that time, I just hit what felt good. Yeah. And then I got fitted and I started understanding, like, spin rate and all that. I was like, Phew. Yeah. Boy, I'm way behind the times. <laughs> Take two years off and all of a sudden the game changes. Oh, I know it. Yeah, I went and played in that that scramble at Inverness the other day and the guys I was playing with there like I hit the ball pretty far yeah um I was just I've always been blessed with like some quick hands us small folks yeah just and um they're they're watching me hit it and they're talking about like you need to do long drives and stuff and (laughs) you should go get lessons and get your spin you know your spin you're like bro I don't even know what you're talking about I'm like I do know what you're talking about but I don't really care to put the time in to yeah. like like i i go out and play golf to have a good time with my buddies yeah um now it's if i can drink less than 10 beers before <laughs> the round's over yeah so it's a good day oh yeah i'm normally just going out with my buddies and having a good time and trying to trying to break 90 <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what it's all about now is just having a good time yep. with everything. We've matured and grown up a lot. Oh, yeah. That's, that's where I'm at with disc golf is just having a good time with it. Yeah. I've come to realize that my days of competitive stuff are, are over. I don't have the time to put into them to be good enough to make money doing them. My, so. my dad always said, when you the day you beat me is when I stop trying to be super competitive. Yeah. He didn't know it was going to happen when I was like 13. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, dude, uh, I appreciate you coming on and telling your stories and everything. Yeah, man. Uh, it's been good seeing you again. Yeah, you absolutely. Been over 15 years. It's been a long time. I mean. May have to get you to dig out that picture, though. I'll find it. Because. I know Peyton was there. Peyton was there, and uh, I think we all had some pretty, pretty bad haircuts. <laughs> That's when the bowl cut was thriving. I'm pretty sure I had a bowl cut. <laughs> that was when I had hair. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll definitely, my mom's pretty good at digging, digging yeah. pictures out. I'm sure she can find it, and um, maybe you can post it on your, yeah. post it on your page and. Give everybody a feel for how we were back in the day. Yeah. I mean, we, we all grew up, like, uh, you remember Seth Cummings? Yeah. His dad was the one that ran the basketball stuff. He was on the pod. He's going to come back one day. We were talking about how fun Parks and Rec basketball was. Yeah. Because that was when we all hung out. Yeah. Just Saturday mornings slash afternoons, just sitting in that old gym. Yeah. In Sumner Christian. I mean, life, she just... It's a lot different now. It was a lot easier back then. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something that, like, trying to figure out around Jasper is, is park and rec stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> trying to figure out, like, park and rec baseball. Um, things have changed with travel baseball and park and rec. And so there's – it's kind of – it's coming for me. It's yeah. coming, you know, I see the – the coaching and the kids getting involved and uh, about two years left. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've started getting involved in park and rec right now. Um, just because I know if I don't get involved now, by the time my kids are ready to start playing, then I'd, you know, hoping, hoping can get some stuff done around here and help out. And, yeah. Um, so make things better. That's all we can do at this point is just try to make things better. Oh, absolutely. That's why I try to form so many friendships with all these people that have businesses and stuff downtown because I want to make them better mm -hmm. you know, because this is where children are going to grow up. Yeah. And I don't want them growing up in the Walker County I grew up in. Yeah. So. There's definitely a lot of potential in this town. A lot, yeah. of, uh, a lot of room for growth that, you know, past 10 years, there, there has been growth. Um, but there's, I mean, there's a lot more potential. Oh yeah. It's always going to get bigger. Yeah. But dude, yeah, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, no problem. Hopefully I can come back on and, uh, oh, for sure. yeah, when, um, uh, you know, we get some more to chat about and hopefully everything goes, goes good and yeah, I'd love to be back on and maybe well, we can, maybe we can talk a little more about something different, you know? Yeah. Got my. Got your story out Got there. Got my story out there. You know, I I don't tell it much. Um, there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, but I feel like I hit some, hit some points. Yeah. That... You got your point across. And that's, <laughs> that's what we're here for. Absolutely. And we drank some good beer while we were here. Yeah. we. What we, I brought a 
What is this? Yeah, let's read the details of that before we close out. Yeah, before we close out, brought some El Gordo from uh, Good People Brewery in Birmingham. Uh, they do a El Gordo Day, and um, it's an Imperial Stout, and I think it's rated like one of the best Imperial Stouts in the country. And it's uh, it's one of the best stouts I've had. It's it's pretty solid. It it grows on you. It's very high alcohol content, but it's kind of like a wine. The more it kind of sits out in your in your uh, cup, it the better it gets. Yep. It kind of decanters a little bit. It's not so boozy. Um, yeah. So it's once you drink one, you kind of you're ready for another one. <laughs> yeah. And we finished the bottle. We if fin- y'all are wondering. Yeah. We without fin- Shane here. Yeah, we finished the bottle and um, Shane would have just told you to give him the bottle. <laughs> but it was good. I'm glad I got to. I, I bought about four or five bottles when uh, the. It was last winter when they had El Gordo Day, and they've just kind of been sitting there waiting for a good time to drink it. Now so. we just need to get Jim to get a few of those bottles in his store. I don't even know if that's possible. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he would know, but uh, I'm sure he knows a good bit about El Gordo. It was a good beer. Oh, it was a good time. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Jim, um, Jasper Bottle and Tap, um, I've definitely been out there a few times love that place yeah um and definitely support his business and um and jim's one of my favorite people on this planet he's a solid dude yeah we uh i don't even know him really um and me and jake aaron would go in there and meet and have a beer and discuss the downtown throwdown and like we'd just sit there and i'd chat with jim and um i mean he's he's a good he's a good talk all the all the brewery people and beer store people in downtown Jasper, great people. Yeah, absolutely. I met uh met a few of them with the uh, downtown throwdown, but yeah, I mean everybody I've come in contact with downtown is is great people. Yeah, that's what we're all about here. Absolutely. All right, folks. This has been Trent Mummy, journeyman in multiple ways, <laughs> but he found his way back to Jasper, and now he's trying to. Make it better than what he left or found it. But Trent, dude, like I said, it's been nice having you back over, and we'll do it again for sure one day. Absolutely. Hopefully, uh, we're both in better spots when we come, when we see each other again. Yeah, making money absolutely. off different things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, like I said, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, next time Shane will be here. All I right. promise. Yeah, sounds good. He's a wild time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was, he. Well, I'm the I'm the Zen guy and Shane is unpredictable. Yeah. That's why he's my best friend. But folks, uh we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy it, leave us a five star rating on Apple with a written review. I've been Drake Pittman. That jar's not empty. Pass that thing around. Love your neighbor. Talk to someone different than you. We'll see you next time. Pass the jar. <laughs>